Hi there, I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Health Discovered Podcast, where we bring you fascinating stories and unique perspectives, like our recent episode on how heart failure can particularly affect women in Black and Hispanic communities. We've documented it time and time again. She was young, she was Black, she was a woman. No one expected her to look like the face of heart failure. When you don't look like what someone expects, that's going to lead to delays in diagnosis. We all have to take this constellation of symptoms, treat it the same each and every time. Whether it's a young person, a Black person, a woman, if someone presents to me with my heart racing and feeling winded, I need to get an echocardiogram 100% of the time, regardless. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. which means we can officially start this show. We've also started the radio side of things to make sure that Bill WD-40 can get in there and lube us on up for tonight's show because you always want to go into a show nice and smooth. That's right. Ozzy Ange, thank you for tuning on in. Vash the Impaler and Linda B. Lee the B again. How are you? And uh, Pam Harris, thank you for joining us. Gizmo, Kathy Evans, nice to see you both. And, uh, yeah, there's a nice super chatter from the mustache. Nice lip blade there, Grant boy. There you go, Grantavius. Good job, buddy. Good job, pal. And Palmer, super knower. Catherine M., nice to see you all. And who else do we have here? Skip to Malou. Vanessa, how are you both? Peter Panda, nice to see you. Nina Williams, thank you for dropping by. Warden Dragon and a Chrono Trigger. Welcome to SOR Chat. Continuing on here as we scroll on down. Rono, er, how are you? Digger Dog, nice to see you. Brown Dwarf, thank you for coming on in. LaDonna Blackwood, thank you for coming on in. I think I got a sneeze. Uh, Lori Bell, good to see you. Hold on. <laughs> Excuse me. Hi, Bill WD40. Apologize about that. Silent listen. Horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Patreon at the SOR Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news, wire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. 
We got an amazing show of info tonight as Halloween approaches. So we're going to get into some spellbinding, some witchcraft, some awesomeness around all of this topic. And Reverend Valerie Love is going to join us here momentarily. Then in hour number three, we got a great story from Steve Stockton from Among the Missing. And right after that, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio will join us for the Cryptid Report. Reverend Valerie Love, a.k.a. Casey, is the author of 24 books on practical spirituality, magic, the occult, and Christian witchcraft. As an ordained minister of spiritual consciousness, practicing Christian witch, a global treat, uh, retreat leader, her sole mission is to inspire the freedom of others and their souls. Oh, how awesome is that? After selling her financial planning practice at American Express Financial Advisors in 2004, Reverend Val pursued writing full-time, answering the call of her soul to teach and inspire others. How could you not do this? She got the call. She went with it. As a professionally trained coach, Reverend Val travels globally and leads retreats in exotic and spiritually charged hotspots, including Bali, Dubai, Cannes, Paris, Peru, India, China, Hong Kong, Hawaii, Sedona, and Salem for women to rise to their zenith and birth their most magnificent work into the world. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be awesome. Absolutely awesome. Let's just shut down the bio and let's get right to it because Reverend Valerie Love is here with us tonight. Valerie, thank you for coming on Spaced Out Radio for the first time. What a pleasure it is to have you here. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Dave, for having me here. And thank you for this beautiful, beautiful space. I love it. It's a fun space. It's it's upbeat. It's inspiring. I love it. And by the way, I must uh, add that you have a great beard. I've got to tell you that. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you taking the time to join us tonight because, I mean, it is that time of the month where people get interested in witchcraft and spirituality and hauntings and ghosts and everything that kind of goes along with it. I'm very excited to learn a little bit about you right now because you literally had this corporate job. You're doing well for yourself probably in six figures plus you're you're whining and dining each and every night you probably know at least 45 different brands of wine okay and all of a sudden you're like screw this this isn't what life is about i'm going to do this my own way good for you first of all for being able to do that but how did that happen That was, I wish that it was as simple as you stated it, because you stated it beautifully. Yet it was was an inner turmoil. So it took me two years to actually leave American Express and go ahead and write. So all my life, I've been a writer. All my life, I've loved books. And I knew that I had this gift and talent for writing. And I always felt like I could inspire people. You you know how you just have this inner knowing that you can uh, help people. And so I've always had that my entire life, yet I didn't always act on it. And of course, I um, maybe I didn't act on it as much because I was raised in a fundamentalist Christian experience. And so it wasn't really encouraged to go do wild things. It was more encouraged to, hey, follow the rules be a good girl, don't make waves, and so forth. So um, I'm a wave maker. 
I like making waves. It's fun. And so as I got older and older, I knew that I had to go out and find my own way, you know, apart from what I had been taught. So I find myself at American Express and I'm having, yeah, a great experience. Love my clients, having a good time, making money, enjoying life, being being, being very fulfilled. And, you know, the tap on the shoulder from the divine doesn't go away. But tap on the shoulder, come, come hither. There's something greater for you to do. And not that I, I wasn't doing something great already for the clients and for everyone. There's just another level of life that we're being invited into. Uh, and so at first I said, well, now, universe, can we have a conversation about this? Because, you know, I, I'm liking this, what's happening right now. It's good. And... Uh, are you sure universe? And of course the universe doesn't make any mistakes. And so, you know, that, that gentle whisper and that tap on the shoulder, it doesn't go away just because I don't want to immediately align with it. And so I was talking to a friend of mine that I had there. Her name um, is, uh, well, I won't mention her name at this point because she, she doesn't know I'm talking about her, but a good friend of mine and, and she and I were fellow financial planners at American Express. And she used to say, Val, you know, you want to go and do that inspirational thing and write your books and all of that. And I see you coming into the office every day and, and serving your clients. And I knew that if I was to leave, I was going to sell my financial planning practice to her because she and I were very aligned in how we help clients and how we worked with people. And so I told her that. I said, you know something, when I sell my financial planning practice, I'm going to sell it to you because you are really, you know, the kind of person that can take good care of my clients because it's a big relationship business. And I really didn't want to leave my clients with just anyone and she said, Val, you know, I'll take care of your clients. You know, I will do it. And I said, OK, so we kind of had this kind of ongoing conversation. And finally, I called her and I said, I'm ready. So I got a practice by um, valuation on my business. We came to agreement. It happened just like that, because when you're in alignment with your soul and the universe and the, and the greater cosmic order, things unfold smoothly. And it doesn't mean that there are no challenges. It just means that there it shouldn't be hard making and it shouldn't feel like dragging yourself over cut glass. It just shouldn't feel like that. And so it, boom, boom, boom. Next thing I know, we were sitting at the table. We had reached an agreement about the sale of the financial planning practice. I was signing the paperwork. She was giving me the first check. We were, I was going to get checks every single month for a while, for a couple of years to pay off the practice. We came to agreement. And next thing I know, I scoop off to Hawaii because I was getting married. And so um, this is the father of my second, of my this was my second husband. And uh, my first husband had two children, two beautiful children. And this is my second marriage. And I had um, my third child. And so he and I went to, to Hawaii. And while I was in Hawaii, I didn't have anything on my mind. I didn't have clients on my mind thinking about financial services and whatnot. And we were we were getting married. We had this beautiful wedding, destination wedding in Hawaii. And then we went on a honeymoon uh, on a cruise, cruise to the different Hawaiian islands. Well, when we got to the resort where we were staying for the first week for the wedding, 
we got into the room, beautiful resort. It's called Halakulani, and the name is House Befitting Heaven. That's what it means. And this is a gorgeous. I think it's like one of the top 10 places in the world of resort hotels. It's absolutely beautiful. And I opened the drawer in the nightstand, Dave, looking for the Gideon Bible, because I have this habit of when I go to hotels, uh, in the United States anyway, I open the drawer and I see the Gideon Bible and it's like, okay, I feel, you know, I was raised Christian. Okay, I feel good. The Gideons came around, they left the Bible. It's wonderful, you know, I'm happy. Well, there was no Gideon Bible in the drawer. As a matter of fact, it was a book called The Teachings of Buddha. I had never seen such a book, even though I had been on a spiritual path and I was reading a lot of books on Buddhism and feng shui, all kinds of spirituality, because I love all kinds of spirituality. Well, I saw this book in the nightstand. I pulled it up and I saw this book. And I'm looking at this book and it has this beautiful sunrise on the cover of the book. And I'm sitting there looking at the book and, I, and something says, pick it up. And I, and I pick it up, even though I was a little surprised not to find a Bible. And I thought, well, hey, let me go with it, you know, in the moment. I pick the book up, I start reading it, and I'm hooked. I can't put the book down. And so there, you know, there's a note that says, hey, if this, if you want this book, take it with you. It's all good. If you want to give a donation, whatever. So I thought, oh, okay, while I'm in Hawaii, I'll, I'll have this book with me reading. Couldn't put the book down. We go to the beach. I have the book. I read the book. And, you know, the husband at the time, uh, we're, we're happily divorced now. We're co-parents of my daughters many years ago. And uh, he's a wonderful man. He said, what is with you in this book? Like, <laughs> I can't put this book down. I'm like, right, I know. Like, this is, I'm reading things that I've just never read before in my entire life. I'm having a whole spiritual awakening again in Hawaii. It was quite amazing. And so I'm reading the book and I'm reading the book. I, I practically almost finished the book while we we're there. And it's a really thick book, The Teachings of Buddha. I bring it home. I write a check to the people to pay for it because I want to do some kind of, you know, donation to them because this book, I just cannot put it down. Well, come to really find out is that that book was a major consciousness opening tool at that moment. So along my spiritual path, I have found that there are moments, watershed moments, where some great thing happens in our lives. And it really is a trajectory change. That was a big trajectory change for me. And it was preparing me for where I was going. Well, we get back home and it's August now of 2004. And I know I've now sold my financial planning practice. By the way, the man that I was married to had won $17 million in the lottery. So we had no money concerns whatsoever. People always are shocked when they hear this story because, yeah, I, I actually married a lottery winner. I didn't marry him because he won the lottery. You know, I, I liked him before I found out that he had won the lottery. So we, we just hit it off immediately when we when we met. And we're two Libras. Both of us have our birthday this month in the month of October. So we got along really well. Well, come to come back home. And he and I are living in this beautiful house, like a mansion kind of house. Right. And I've got this beautiful space that I created in the house for writing. And for the first time in my life, Dave, I sit down 
and there is not a money thought at all. There's not a thought about even money for my clients, like move this 401k, do this Roth IRA, do this annuity, do this insurance policy. Because as a financial advisor, there were always 20 million things running through my head for hundreds of clients. Uh, there was none of that. There was a blank space. And there was nothing other than right. So at this point, I had not published any book at all. I had been trying to get books published and I had been writing over the years while I was a financial advisor here and there. I had been writing uh, query letters to publishers, uh, actually to agents to get a publisher so that I could be published. Because back in the day, we didn't have uh, the publishing options that we have today. So there was this, uh, you had to get an agent, then the agent had to get a publisher, and uh, hopefully the people would approve of your writing and say, yes, you, we give you a book deal, right? Well, it hadn't happened for me, and I had gotten so many rejection letters for writing over the years, which is probably why I never really wanted to leave financial advising. It didn't look like I was going to be making any kind of inroads, you know, with making money and being doing this author thing. It didn't look like it was going to work out for me. And then I remember I would uh, listen to different um, authors, and one of the authors I love uh, listening to was uh, Stephen King. And he said he had so many rejection letters, hundreds of rejection letters, that he could wallpaper his entire office where he wrote with rejection letters from people that said, no, nobody wants to read this. Your writing's no good, da, da, da. So I was already, I had heard from enough authors that rejection letters were just part of the process and you just keep going, you just keep going, you just keep submitting your work, submitting your work. Well. Here I am, I'm, I'm sitting down now and I'm just going to write. I'm just going to write and I'm going to somehow get a publisher and I'm going to somehow get, you know, a publishing deal. I uh, have no idea how. I'm just following the universe. Well, I had a friend who was also an author and he was published. He already had a book deal. And he and I had known each other for years, ever since we grew up in New York City. And he was also in the same Christian experience that I had been in. So we knew each other. We were like teen friends all the way up until adulthood. And we always kept in touch. Well, he asked me one day, you know, we were talking. And this is months now later. I've been writing, I've been writing, I've been writing. But like creative people, I've been writing on several different projects. And he says, Val. You haven't been able to find a publisher yet, no, or an agent, no. He said, well, what do you have ready? What are you working on? I said, well, I'm working on this idea, and I'm working on that idea, and I'm working on that idea. And he said one word to me that was a game changer. He said, Val. I said, yes. He said, finish. I said, come again. He said, finish. You don't have anything finished. You're working on this and you're working on that. We've been talking about this for months. You know, he was right. I had nothing finished. Months were going by, but I still had money coming in. So I wasn't concerned. And I was married to, you know, a, a lottery winner. So my soul set me up. I didn't have anything to really concern myself with. And he said, if you were at a cocktail party right now with a, an agent, 
what would you be able to give them? What if they asked for a manuscript? You wouldn't be able to give them anything because you don't have one complete idea. And he was right. And I said, okay, okay, I'm going to get to it. And so, you know, I put my head down and I really went in on what do I want to write about? So the first idea that I really wanted to write about is the inner voice and that there is an inner voice that is speaking to all of us, an intuitive voice that is always right. And it always gives us accurate truth. It gives us truth. And that this thing inside, if we could really connect with it and let it guide and lead our lives, our lives would just be much better. So that was the idea that I went with. Well, months later, it's probably now about uh, January, February of 2005. I'm about to do my first public workshop in April of 2005. Since I was a financial planner, I knew that I knew money. And I also knew spirituality because I had studied both for a very long time. So my first public workshop was, what is God saying about your money? And that was going to be in April of 2005. And at the same time, I was doing the writing thing and I was preparing for the speaking thing because I knew this writing and the speaking was going to be my work in the world and my sharing with humanity. Well, I get an email from him, my friend, and he says, hey Val, now that you have something completed because we've been communicating, reach out to this agent because she might be able to help you. I reach out to the agent. I tell her my idea that I had been working on. She says, hey, I like it. I think I can sell this idea to a publisher. I think I can get you a publishing deal. I'm going to a book conference and uh, I want want to know if you can write a book proposal for me. And I said, yes. You know, something in me just said, yes. I never wrote a book proposal before. And I said, okay. Well, back in the day, we didn't have, there was no YouTube. So I would go often to Barnes and Noble. That's where I got most of my information at that time from the bookstore. And so I would go to Barnes and Noble and there was also Borders. So between Barnes and Noble and Borders, I would go to the bookstore and local bookstores too, of course which I love. So I would go to the bookstore and research everything. So there was this book called The Writer's Market. It was this big, huge book, and it was for writers, and all writers knew about it, and that's what we used as sort of a resource. Well, I went in The Writer's Market to find out, because The Writer's Market had told me many years before how to write query letters, how to do this, how to do that, how to reach out to agents, how to find agents. With Sotic 2 for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means. Beach day. As a Tic 2 inhibitor, Sotic 2 is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about Sotic 2 today and learn more at SoClearlyYou.com. That's SoClearlyYou.com. Sotic 2 decravacitinib is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotic 2. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotic 2 can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events, or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of 
hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So Tick 2 inhibits Tick 2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if So Tick 2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info. With up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns, get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for pro and college football with Bet Online's real time updates. Bet Online has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through to the World Series. Head to the website today to get in on the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. And this one had in it also how to write a book proposal. So I went through all the steps and I wrote the book proposal. I sent it to her. She sent me back uh, by email a couple of changes, tweak it. And then she said, great, I'll be in touch. And of course, the writer's market and all the author circles that I was in told me, you don't reach out to agents. They reach out to you when it's time. You'll hear from them when it's time. You don't just call an agent every week. What happened? What happened? Did you give me a book deal yet? So I knew not to uh, tamper with the process. Right. Let go and allow. Well, as I go a little bit forward with that, I hear from the agent in October. Now, that was spring. October, this time of year, birthday time, she calls me and says, Val, I have a book deal for you. Not only do they want one book from you, they love your ideas. They want two books from you. And she got me a five-figure book advance and a publishing deal for my first two books. Beautiful. And that's how it started. Wow. I mean, with 90 seconds to go here before we got to go to break, did you manifest this or did you just give your soul over to the phenomena and said, just take me for the ride? That's what I did. Take me for the ride. I'm, I'm here. Unbelievable. <laughs> pretty wild. Huh? Well, it, it is. Be, and let me tell you why it is. Okay. At least at my point is because so many people have devoted their lives to becoming more spiritually aware and becoming more spiritually attuned and in tune. But we, for the majority of us, myself included, we always have that reservation about actually giving ourselves to the phenomena and to wherever it takes us. We can say we have, but have we really? Like me personally, I would say I'm probably... 85 to 90% there. I just cannot let go of that 10 to 15% that's just going to allow me to fly with the Eagles. And yet, I don't know what holds me except fear. You didn't have fear. And that is what totally is blowing away what I am hearing right now. Because when you jump off that ledge, you never know where you're going to land. And yet you're not landing, you're flying. Mm. And I'm just, I'm blown away right now. I'm blown away. Oh. And and Valerie, we're going to go to commercial break right now. So please hold your thoughts because I want to get your ideas upon this. Because this is a good lesson for a lot of people out there who are wondering whether or not they should take the leap, take the leap of faith. So. 
Spaced Out Radio. I'm blown away tonight. Reverend Valerie Love joining us with a real stern and awesome life lesson right after this. Amazing. Amazing! Yay! <laughs> oh, this is my, my life story. I yeah. am just... I'm blown away right now and I'm getting emotional and I'm very happy for you. Thank you. You got me. Holy shit. Wow. I'm so thankful. Give me a minute to re uh, mm-hmm. reorganize myself here. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. I love you too, Dave. <laughs> Thank you, Dirty Filth. I'm just going to say what's what's going through my mind right now, and I'm not even reading the chat. This is what happens when you worry about the small stuff and forget the bigger picture. Mm. This is what you turn into. And you're somebody who saw the big picture. And didn't worry about the small things, the the stuff that trips you up, the stuff that holds you back, the stuff that keeps you down. Mm. I still experienced it. Oh, I, yeah. I know I know you're experiencing it, but you're just so wise. Mm. I thank the divine for that. It it just hit me. Mm. It's hit me hard right now. In a good way, not a bad way. In a very Mm -hmm. good way. Wow. Hmm. (laughs) Fucking awesome. Pardon my language, but... Oh my. I love that. I love that. 
we never know what the divine or life with a capital L is doing. And it's always doing something wonderful. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. Uh, pulling myself together here. Hi, Neil Warden. How you doing? And uh, this is your fault, Valerie. This is your fault. <laughs> uh, Super Knower, how are you? And uh, who else has hopped in here? Um, TMI, how's it going? Uh, yes, you can, Vaughn, Patrick. Um, well, let's see here. Scrolling down, do I have enough time here? Do I have enough time? Thank you, Kira, for the lovely super chat. Very much appreciate the love. Along with Sandra Grant and Horace Louie. My eyes are blurry right now. <laughs> All right, we got 24 seconds. Uh, thank you again, Forrest Louie. I love you, man. Thank you very much. Uh, here's the shirt, by the way. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate you turning us in and getting your butts kicked by the lessons that we teach. want to remind all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join me on Patreon at the SOR Space Travelers Club. We have an amazing guest tonight, Reverend Valerie. See, I want to say Valere because I'm a sports reporter by trade, and the Russian hockey names are always Valere, but it's Valerie Love. Yep, I know all of you Leaf fans will know that. And Valerie Love is here, and literally, what you don't know during the break is she kicked my butt during that last section. She did. Not on purpose. <laughs> Not on purpose, no. But her message was so profound about taking that leap of faith. And the majority of us are absolutely petrified of what happens when we take that leap of faith. Instead of allowing our wings to grow and soar to the heavens. And this is what Valerie did. And now she's written. With Sotic 2 for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means. Beach day. 
As a TIC2 inhibitor, Satic2 is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about Satic2 today and learn more at SoClearlyYou.com. That's SoClearlyYou.com. Sotic2, Decravacitinib, is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotic2. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotic2 can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events, or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So TIC2 inhibits TIC2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if SOTYC2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info. With up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns, get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for pro and college football with BetOnline's real-time updates. BetOnline has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through to the World Series. Head to the website today to get in on the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. 24 books. She's published. She's accomplished. She tours the world teaching the message of peace, love, joy, everything about life that we should be enjoying rather than day-to-day stress and BS that we got to go through. Valerie, thank you so much for being here. You have an amazing gift, just an amazing gift. Oh, thank you so much, Dave. It's been a wild ride. And, you know, you mentioned I was, you know, I didn't have fear. I did have fear at points, yet the part of me that was fearless was bigger. And so I went with the big self. And that, that's been my saving grace, is going with the aspect of myself that is not afraid. Because all of us have that aspect of self that's not afraid at all. And then we have the human self that's got a lot of concerns about survival and about you know how we look and Will we be accepted and all those? So all those things were present. They just were not as big as the big self. See, I grew up in a household much like yours, where even though we weren't a religious family, there was enough taught by the religious side of my parents' sides where we didn't take chances, okay, uh, I remember getting really bad financial advice from my parents growing up because I didn't understand how credit worked. And they were always like, pay everything cash. Don't get a credit card. Credit cards are evil, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. And I look at it now and I'm like, well, that was absolutely the worst advice you could give me outside of not paying your bills, you know, And I had to learn the hard way. And spiritually speaking, how were you when you took that leap of faith and your wings started to grow? How long did it take you to find that divine self within you that you knew that you could fly? Ever since I was born, it was there and I was always in touch with it. 
So, you know, you hear some spiritual teachers say, um, I came in with it. I was born this way. And I, I've always listened to that and was kind of like, I don't know, you know, if that sounds a little lofty or esoteric, yet I remember always being this way. I remember being three and, uh, you know, talking to spirits, communing with spirits, seeing spirits, having all kinds of spiritual experiences. And it seemed like I was having experiences that a lot of people around me were not having, or at least they weren't talking about it. So for a long time, I thought I was weird. I thought I was the weirdo. And come to find out later that, no, that was the spiritual gifting that was present with me all my life. And so it has been a very strong presence with me all my life. I remember I grew up in New York City and I remember being on the streets of New York City being robbed at gunpoint. And I was with my little brother and my little sister. I'm the oldest of four. And my little brother and sister, they were pretty young then. And I was, I don't know, maybe 21, 22, somewhere around there. And it was dark. It was on a dark street in New York City. And someone was holding, one of them, there were two of them. One was holding a gun to us. And the other one said, give me your purse. And I was like, no. And I promise you, Dave, I do not know what crazy woman inside of me would have said no. But something did. And the one with the gun was frozen. He couldn't, he literally could not move. And I found it curious at that point. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, I wasn't really spiritually, I was more religious at that point. I wasn't really um, heavy into meditation and things like that even though I did have that real spiritual, that real powerful spiritual presence with me. And he couldn't move. He was paralyzed and I couldn't understand it. And the other one who wasn't holding the gun, I still remember it to this day because it's not easy to forget being at the, uh, the receiving end of a gun, right? And so uh, I'm standing there with my brother and sister just, you know, standing my ground. And the other one, yanks my purse, you know, just comes up on me, yanks my purse and turns around to go past his partner. And his partner was still standing there and I'm still standing there looking at him. He's standing there looking and could not move. It was almost as if something had stunned him and paralyzed him. He was stupefied. You know, and it was, and he was looking at something just off of my, off to the side of me. And I would say that he was looking at an angel or there was some presence that was there that halted him. And he was so frozen that the other one who had the purse took off running and he looked back and realized, oh, my guy is not with me. And he came back and shook him. Hey, come on. Like, we got the goods. Let's go. And that's when he came out of like this stupor and, and ran off. And then I was like, did I just tell somebody with a gun? Like, no. Like, what was that about? What's wrong with me? Uh, yet, there has always been this guiding presence in my life this hand, this something that I have been very aware of 
and that has always taken care of me. And I cannot say that it's always been easy because my life has had some really dark nights of the soul and some really high moments too. Yet I've always had it. I've always had it. So I, I don't say that from a place of being lofty or anything like that. I say it from the place of being very thankful that I don't know what I did to have this thing that I have. I'm just very thankful. And many times it surprises me because people ask me questions and I just give them the answer. And I think to myself, well, I didn't even know the answer to that question 30 seconds before the person asked me. And this great thing that's talking through me and using my body and, and doing all these things for people, I'm very aware of this presence, just answered it for me and for them. So yay. And this thing is so great and so magnificent. Many times I ask myself, what did I do to have what I have? I can't really even answer that question. So I'm aware of it. I'm acutely aware of this thing. And I don't really know how it came to be this way, how my life was chosen for this thing. And I am so thankful. Yeah. How did the witchcraft and witchery come into play with you? Because for many, you know, the idea of something to do with witches, uh, and I'm trying to figure out what this noise is on my end, so I apologize. Uh, the idea of witches and witchcraft has always had an evil connotation that goes along with it. Yet, we know there's good witches. We know that there is you know, good spells. There's, I mean, even, I mean, going back to the Wizard of Oz, you know, there's good witches and there's bad witches. How did this happen? That's another thing that has been unfolding for most of my life. So I come from a long line of witches. Now, I did not know that I was being raised by witches, that my grandmothers were witches, that my, a lot of my family were witches. I didn't know this. Until I didn't, I wasn't consciously aware of it until I grew up and I began my deep spiritual studies right. and I began to read and discover the things that witches do. And I said, well, my family did that. Oh, well, we did that. Oh, well, we did that. And it was an awakening that we were doing witchcraft and many people are doing witchcraft, yet they would not call it witchcraft because they are unaware that it is the practice of the craft. And so I would call witchcraft simply creating some kind of change using intention, nature, cosmic forces it's it's very simple for me it's very simple that can be used either as you mentioned for the good or for not good it can be used for anything people want the other day an idea came to me that witchcraft is completely neutral like cooking what makes it work one way or the other is intention so, for instance, you can have two witches doing the exact same thing. Witch number one has a pestle and mortar, 
and she was grinding peppers, peppercorns in the pestle and mortar. Which number two is doing the exact same thing. She has the exact same pestle and mortar and she's grinding peppercorns. Which number one is grinding the peppercorns because she is going to use them in a spell that is bringing the fire and the heat and the passion to her purpose and to her work on the planet. Which number two is grinding it because she wants to do a hot foot spell on someone and cause them to not have rest and... Uh with Sotictu for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means. Beach day. As a Tic2 inhibitor, Sotic2 is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about Sotic2 today and learn more at SoClearlyYou.com. That's SoClearlyYou.com. Sotic2, Decravacitinib, is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotic2. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotic2 can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events, or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So Tick 2 inhibits Tick 2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if So Tick 2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info. With up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for pro and college football with BetOnline's real-time updates. BetOnline has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through to the World Series. Head to the website today to get in on the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. I'll be jumping around all the time. They call it hot foot. Both witches are doing the exact same thing. Whether And these peppercorns, they're agnostic because they will be used according to intention, like everything from nature. We can pick up an, uh, a tree and we can get a, a branch or a log from a tree and we can either build houses with it, we can make a fire with it, or we can knock someone in the head with it. It is completely according to the intention of the user. The problem with most people is we have user uh, error <laughs> and we also have uh, users of heavy machinery, quote unquote, magic and witchcraft, that maybe they shouldn't be operating heavy machinery for a myriad of reasons. Some because they have unhealed childhood wounds and issues that cause them to not go within and do that deep healing work, that shadow work is what we would call it, and clear it. Instead, they're busy trying to do things to other people that are unhelpful for themselves and for other people. Uh, some people wouldn't want to handle witchcraft and magic because they haven't been trained. They don't know what they're doing. Maybe they watched a few TikToks and figured they were going to call a demon or, or an angel or something like that. And then they get some untoward results. Uh, other people probably shouldn't be handling witchcraft and magic, maybe because they're under influences of alcohol or do things like that. So there's many reasons why a person wouldn't want to ha um, uh, handle heavy machinery, which I would call witchcraft and magic. 
So witchcraft and magic is very agnostic. It's like electricity. It's like sex. It's like fire. It's like every potent energy in the world. Now, when we are children, we are told, hot, hot. If we go near the stove, mom and dad say, hot, hot, don't touch. If we're 18 and we still don't know how to manage fire by lighting and incense or turning on the stove and cooking or making a simple campfire that we learned in, in uh, maybe some kind of uh, childhood experience was going camping in the woods. If we don't know how to manage fire by the time we're 18, 19, 20, something has gone horribly wrong. So all of these energies, we're cautioned away from them as immature beings, rightly so. And the same thing with witchcraft and magic. We're cautioned away from that. No, 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 don't touch that, don't touch that. And that those warnings are in place for a very good reason. I don't fault uh, Christians or any other people for saying, oh, oh, don't touch that, don't touch that. Because to the uninitiated, the untrained, the unhealed, and when I say unhealed, I don't mean that you know people who do witchcraft and magic have healed all their issues, because I certainly haven't healed all my issues. I'm saying that at least we have awareness that there are issues to be addressed and we're actively addressing the issues as we do our witchcraft and magic. So there's good reason why they say, uh, 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 because these are potent energies and to a person who is spiritually immature and they manage witchcraft and magic, it would be the same as a three-year-old striking a match. Hmm. Okay, so... With that happening and and the power that it comes with the spells, I mean, what's the difference between putting a spell on for something good and putting the spell on for something nefarious then? Intention. So intention is everything. And intention rules all of that. And so what is intention? Intention is your real why. And this is why magic and witchcraft are so powerful because they're not going according to uh, the results that come from witchcraft and magic are not going according to what we think the intention is or the stated intention. It's going according to the true intention. So let's say that a person has within themselves a need to be loved. They have not yet found, this is just an example, right? Because a lot of people do love spells. They love doing these love spells. I'll put this love spell on this person, get this person to love me. Or, uh, you know, they go to an Obia man like in Jamaica or something like that because there's magic all over the world, different magics. And they go to the Obia man and they say, give me um, oil of don't, you know, give me something that the person doesn't leave me because they're about to leave me. And um, some, they'll tell them to do something strange like uh, uh, perhaps... Take some. This is going to be a little bit shocking. Is it okay if I say something a little bit? Uh, as long as there's no curse words, we're good. Okay. Um, so, for instance, a woman may be in her moon time and they'll do some blood magic uh, with the food to make sure this person doesn't leave them. And then the Obia man will give you some kind of concoction like oil of don't leave me. And you, you use this oil of don't leave me on the person. And then this person uh tries to get this person to not leave them why because deep inside let's look at the true intention deep inside this person doesn't feel love this person thinks they need to get love from the outside 
This person has not yet done the heavy lifting that we all get to do in this lifetime. That's what this lifetime is about. It's about doing that deep inner work of becoming your true God self, your true divine self, and realizing that you are the love. You are everything that you're seeking. You are it. So you don't need anything. Yet we still, maybe this person still has this belief deep inside which is the true intention. It's an invisible intention because the person themselves is not even aware of it, yet the whole universe is aware of it. And so from this hole inside, they're doing magic to try to keep someone with them. And who knows? This person could be abusive. This person could be not the best person for you at, on a cosmic level. Maybe this person is somehow inhibiting your spiritual path or, or whatever the case may be. Maybe you're in an unconscious entanglement with this person. And maybe this is not for your highest and best good. Yet the person is doing magic to keep the person. And what is the intention? The intention, the true intention is, I don't have love. I need to get love. So therefore, the magic, the witchcraft, will bring about the results of needing love. Not having love. Needing love because it's got to match whatever we're offering. This is energetic. This is vibrational. And many people do not understand these things about witchcraft and magic. And then they talk to a person like me or magical practitioners or people who write things for people after they get themselves in trouble. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you go to spiritual practitioners and they say, oh, there's some kind of spirit in my house or there's some kind of negative entity on me or there's this or that or the other. And then they help people with these things. Well, it was because... There was unawareness of the true, deeper intention that was active. And at any given time, there could be two, three, four deeper intentions that are active beyond the intention of, oh, I just want this person to stay with me. I get that, and, and I can appreciate that. And I guess where I'm looking at it, from a you know a person who doesn't really understand the aspects of witchcraft and and the purpose of it i'm just i'm a little lost at at trying to understand the difference between good and and not so good i don't want to say evil or bad because I've always kind of been brought up that you shouldn't mess with someone's life, whether it's good or bad, you know? And yet we know that th things like this can can do things. Like, it, I think it's good. Like, if a, if a woman can't have children, you know, that we, we if there's a spell out there that could help her all of a sudden have a child or help her get pregnant, to me, that's a good thing, you know? So I'm I'm really fighting it within myself to to see where this goes. Well, that's an excellent uh, thought that you're bringing up because there's two sides of it. So there's the practitioner and then there's the person who is quote unquote, the object of the practitioner's witchcraft or magic, right? So in the example that we had earlier, we have a practitioner of magic, a person who's going to do some kind of spell and they're going to do it toward a person that they are in relationship with to keep that person with them and not go leave them or have sex with somebody else or whatever the case may be. Well, the person, why does it work? It works because the person who is the subject of it, the one who's on the receiving end of it, believes it. 
they believe that they can be influenced, that their own outcomes can be determined by someone else. Now, that is not the truth. No one outside of yourself can create your life. You are the only one that can create your life. And we all are creating our lives from the inside out. So therefore, it is a faulty belief to believe or to think that someone else can create an outcome for you. Yet you see it happen all the time. And why are people, why is it happening and why is it working? It's working. It's working because the person that was on the receiving end of it believes it. And what you believe trumps everything because the law of mentalism, first of the hermetic laws, the seven hermetic laws that most uh, magicians, witches, uh, magical practitioners, occult uh, teachers follow and acknowledge the seven hermetic laws is number one. The first one is the universe is mental. The law of mentalism that everyone is creating their own life from consciousness. With Sotictu for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means. Beach day. As a Tic2 inhibitor, Sotictu is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about Sotictu today and learn more at SoClearlyYou.com. That's SoClearlyYou.com. Sotictu decravacitinib is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotictu. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotictu can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So Tic2 inhibits Tic2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if Sotic2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info. With up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for pro and college football with BetOnline's real-time updates. BetOnline has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through to the World Series. Head to the website today and get in on the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Consciousness is what this whole thing is. This is the mental universe we live in. And it is responding to our thoughts. And thought married with emotion becomes a belief. A belief is creative. It's active. Beliefs are not benign. And they're not uh, stagnant. Hold that thought right there because we are going to go to break here at the top of the hour. Reverend Valerie Love is with us tonight. She's an author, researcher, experiencer, witchcraft, Christian, everything. She owns the title under her belt on Spaced Out Radio. I am loving this tonight. Loving this. Really, I'm so glad. All right, I'm going to uh, turn things over to Dirty Filth here. 
and because uh, we always like to get a good little view of what he's doing here. So, Dirty, uh, I noticed Blobbert's been around quite a bit tonight. Yeah, there was a previous Blob sighting. Yes, we love so our Men Blob in Black here. stopped by and took care of that, and I don't know where my Blob went. Yes, we love lo- Blob. Okay, I'm going to step away, uh, Dirty Filth. Valerie's still sitting in there, and you, you two can have a chat if you want, because you're really awesome that way. I love this. This is perfect for the witch. We love it's, nature. I love it's it. Not, it's not quite done yet. But. Okay. I love it. Got a small little wood gnome taking a saunter here. We might be able to pry the story out of Dave. He mentioned that he had seen something that looked like a little piece of wood sauntering around the forest one day, him and his boy. So very interesting. We've we've had a lot of experiences in woods. And there's a reason behind the the whole enchanted wood uh, motif that we see in a lot of stories. It's very active. It's very active with lots of uh, activity, beings, energies. Oh, that's where it's at. All those trees. A lot's happening in there. I find sometimes in my garden, I catch out of the side of my eye, just maybe it's a mouse or maybe it's another cat or something, but I always just seem to see something scooting by. Maybe that's my microphone. Probably mine. Cheap Canadian junk. <clears throat> There you're me. catching things because sometimes you do see it like fleeting in the in your peripheral, like oh, what was that? And you know, it probably wasn't something human or animal. I I, I believe I've seen a golden fairy one time, okay. and excuse me. And um, uh, Dave's pal, Brian Bowden, was on the show. I think Brian Bowden has like 10,648 different podcasts. Wow. But nonetheless, he was on the show one day, and he had a photo that he shared that showed that showed a fairy, and it was the same color that I had seen. And mm. my cousin had seen the... A reflection of the color off my face. We were facing one another. It it was behind him, and the illumination is the, is what he had seen on my face from it. It was interesting. How did he get a picture of it? Uh, his daughter was standing on a pathway, and he just snapped a photo, and it was wow. on her. It, it was sitting on on her hand, kind of by her hand. And it's it's a fairly convincing photo. Wow. Those things, they're, they're somewhat unique to be able to capture these beings on camera. Because a lot of times they don't let themselves be photographed yet. That's really wonderful. Yeah, I'm about to 
I'm not too wizened in the fairy lore or anything like that. However, I, I just thought it was kind of interesting that the photo that he took matched the exact same color, like the, the same color, even if he fabricated the photo. That was the exact same color that I and my cousin had seen. My cousin and I had seen. I seen that. There's, there's nobody can tell me otherwise. I seen the same color. I made a big hissy fit, even too, and on the show when he had shared the photo. I was like, that's the same color I seen. Nobody wow. was probably listening because I was just plugging away in the chat, but I had seen the same. It's that same gold, bright gold color. And it, it just illuminates. It was an illumination. It wasn't just color. It, it gave light. Yes. Anyways, mm. I'm rambling. I apologize here. Oh, no. I love that. I love it. it it's, it's, a, it's confirming when someone actually gets a picture of something we've experienced. Because you try to describe these things to people sometimes and they sort of deer in the headlights. So when someone catches, can offer evidence, we love that. That's always good. Hey, Dave. Hi. Brian Bowden's uh, with his 10,622 yes. podcasts or however many he's got. His photo of the fairy. That's a good one. I like it. That's what I was ranting about while you were gone. Beauty. Anytime you rant, that's good. I love the drawing. I love it. We Dave, it's your wood gnome. Wood, the Enchanted Forest. Pretty much is. All right, we got 20 seconds left. Thank you to Louis Times 2, Grant, Sandra, and Kira for the amazing super chats. Thank you to all our new subscribers and people jumping in. Hi, Zenzabil. How you doing, buddy? Derek Galloway, good to see you. And uh, here we go, everybody. Hold on. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live. At KPNL. All of our archives are free. Please join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Ecophobia. Ecophobia is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon at the SOR Space Travelers Club. Reverend Valerie Love is with us tonight. We are talking about witches, witchcraft, spellbinding, everything to go along with it. And we're having a great time tonight. Valerie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me here, Dave, and having this stimulating conversation. This is amazing. Absolutely amazing. I want to ask you regarding 
you know, witchcraft because it normally deals around the paranormal as well. Now, for you, do you have a lot of paranormal experiences that follow what you do with your witchery? Yes. Uh, I am quite used to paranormal experiences <laughs> now because they're so frequent. So it's like, oh, okay, here you go. We lived with a lot of spirits growing up. So let me preface this by um, this spirit activity hasn't just been with me in my adulthood after I came to the understanding through spiritual practice, meditation, rituals, and I kept pressing deeper and deeper into the occult mysteries and learning more and gaining more access to uh, truths and energies and how to use them and how to work with them and how to teach it to other people. When we were growing up, there was lots of spirit, spirit activity. And I would offer that there's a lot of spirit activity around all the time. Yet, as humans, we have been very conditioned, especially in the Western world, to only go with the five senses. Everything else, uh, you know, according to when we were growing up, kind of shooed away. Like, oh, the imaginary friend, oh, that's just your imagination. It's not real. Uh, you see things at night. You, you're experiencing uh, spirits entering the space that so you talk about it. And people kind of want to say, well, maybe not. Uh, in the East, it's not so much that way that I find uh, through my travels all over the world, I love traveling all over the world and travel extensively. I find that not every culture is so rooted in science, the hard sciences, and that things can only be explained through the portal of the five senses. With Sotic 2 for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means? Beach day. As a Tick 2 inhibitor, Sotic 2 is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about Sotic 2 today and learn more at SoClearlyYou.com. That's SoClearlyYou.com. Sotic 2 Decravacitinib is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotic 2. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotic 2 can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events, or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So Tick 2 inhibits Tick 2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if So Tick 2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info. With up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for pro and college football with BetOnline's real-time updates. BetOnline has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through to the World Series. Head to the website today to get in on the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Because according to Kabbalah, uh, the five senses are only showing us 1% of all reality at any particular time. The five senses cannot ascertain 99% of reality. 
Now, for spiritual people, we know this because we're having all these spiritual experiences all the time. Yet, I am a Libra. I'm an air sign. And air signs like things that are logical. And I want to make sense of things because I'm not just this spiritual, airy-fairy kind of person. I'm a very scientific person. And maybe that comes from my background, too, in numbers with financial planning. And we were very grounded and rooted in numbers. And we used to say, men lie, women lie, children lie, numbers don't lie. So at American Express, that was one of the principles that we worked with, numbers, because you just do the math and the math would tell you the true story. Well, the same thing in science. And so therefore I follow science rigorously. And so it was very interesting that you used the word researcher earlier when you were talking about, because though I've never really put it on my website, it is what I do. I am a big researcher. I love research. And one of the areas I love researching is physics, quantum physics, because it very closely aligns with spirituality. Well, according to the work of Professor Donald Hoffman, and I would offer that everyone can look him up and look at some of his podcast interviews on YouTube and so forth. He is a a neuroscientist, I believe. He's a professor of neuroscientists or biology, evolutionary biology at the University of California in Irvine. Well, he is pushing the frontier and working with other physics physicists who are pushing the frontier. And what he is telling us is that they have actually, they have mathematical computations for structures beyond space-time. And one of the structures that they have found beyond space-time is called an amplitohedron. They have also found decorated, what they call decorated permutations. And these have a mathematical basis, proof, even through the double split, double, double slit experiment and quantum entanglement, that two things entangled together stay entangled even when they're separated by space and time. We can't understand how this is happening. We are pressing into truths, quantum truths, that spiritual people have known all along. So there is this saying that scientists scale the mountain of truth only to find the gurus, saints, sages, and yogis already sitting atop it because there are many things that witches know about the universe, magicians, shamans, people who deal in the supernatural, people who are hedge riders, they they deal in both worlds. The, they live in the liminal, they are in the world of the five senses and they're also in the world beyond the five senses. That's kind of where I lived as a kid. They told me I was always daydreaming and I thought I was just living life. And my teachers were always, Valerie, Valerie, because I'm off somewhere. Valerie, Valerie, pay attention. Well, I already did that. I already read that. I already understand it. I was very bored. They wanted to skip me in school because it, it just seemed pedestrian to me. Well, being that science is offering us mathematical proof we're having some of these experiences and mathematical proof that the big party is happening beyond space time and beyond the five senses. That's where the big happening really is. Okay. I got a question coming in from, uh, where is it here? Tim Mothman. Is there a difference between witchcraft and Wicca? I love that question. Yes, there's absolutely a distinction. And here, I'll give you a couple of ways of looking at this. 
So witchcraft and being a witch, anyone can be a witch. Anyway, you don't have to have any particular training. For me, witches are knowing. It is a deep knowing within one's being that you are a witch and that you can do witchcraft and magic. Wicca is actually an established religion. Is actually religion. It has religious protections. If you are in the military and you are Wiccan, you have all the military, uh, you have all the protections of a person who is a Catholic or Islamic in the military, and you can have a Wiccan uh, high priest, high priestess come and do uh, rites of passage or whatever you require in your walk as a Wiccan. So Wicca is actually a religion. And there are different strands of it, Gardnerian and Alexandrian. And this comes from uh, Gerald Gardner, who is sort of like uh, this wonderful being who really brought Wicca to the world, even though Wicca is based on a much more ancient practice of the craft. And uh, Alexandrian Wicca, which is uh, sort of two flavors of the, the one same thing. And in Wicca... Uh, there is an honoring of the god and the goddess, and uh, there is a um, devotional practice. And while I cannot speak for Wiccans because I am not Wiccan, it is an absolute initiatory path. It is a religion. It is recognized in the United States as a religion. And those who are even buried in the military who are Wiccan can have the pentacle uh, on their uh, tombstone just as if there was a cross on a tombstone or a star of David for a Jewish person. So because I honor all faith walks, all religion, all people, whatever works for you, work it. Uh, I honor Wicca as well, even though I do not practice Wicca. And I've studied it extensively and I have good friends in, in the Wiccan community that are Wiccans that I absolutely love. Now, some Wiccans will say they are not Wiccans, they are witches. That's what they will say. They are witches. So while all Wiccans are witches, not all witches are Wiccans. I appreciate that great answer. Let's go to President Zaddy here, who is asking, what do you think about, actually, let's not go there because it's a political question and we don't do politics on this show. Um, in regards to to what witches do, the idea that you are able to spiritually connect with Mother Earth, you're able to connect with the spiritual world. Have you ever had connections with the extraterrestrial or the cryptid world? Absolutely. And I am firmly in the camp of um, knowing that our origins as a species on planet Earth did involve star people. And the star people, or as some people would call them extraterrestrials, or people that are not from here, beings that are not from here, um, I absolutely know there are many, many beings here now that are not from here. And some of them even appear as people, and they are not. And we have all probably had experiences with them, whether we knew consciously that we were having experiences with them. And that uh, there is a lot of evidence on planet Earth. I've been to many ancient cities. 
the ancient cities that I love, 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 Chichen Itza, which is not far from me, where I live in Yucatan in Mexico. I study Chichen Itza. Chichen Itza is uh, built on a, in a very similar uh, uh, star configuration alignment as the Great Pyramids of Giza, where I just was uh, last a few weeks ago, recently. Last year, I got a chance to spend about a month in Egypt and really dive into the pyramids, as well as I love going to Teotihuacan, uh, which is in Mexico City, right outside of Mexico City. And there we have the Temple of the, the Sun and the Temple of the Moon. And I can tell you, I have been to many ancient cities, and I can tell you that these things were not built by humans. And the story is that we were hunter-gatherers and we were living in caves, um, there's not a lot of evidence that cavemen could have built the structures that um, are with us. We had star help. We had help from star people. And the Dogon people of Africa, they were the ones that were able to tell us that Sirius C was there even before it was discovered. So people knew about Sirius A. I think it was Sirius A and Sirius B. They didn't know about Sirius C, and it was a dwarf star, a, a very, very heavy star. And the Dogon people knew all of this information uh, from star travelers who were here before. And they kept this information, and they said that the star travelers gave them this information. And they kept it in their lineage orally, through an oral tradition. So these things are all over the planet. There are pyramids in China. There are pyramids and now we've uncovered Gobekli Tepe. There is vast evidence on this planet that there are very advanced civilizations, including Atlantis, that have been here and that date very far back in humans' history. We have cave paintings that are 80,000 years old in Africa. And so we've got to really start to consider that things are not what they told us in school and in the history books. What's the biggest lesson that you try and tell your clients or your people who follow you? You, ye are gods. A simple three uh, word statement that even comes from the Holy Bible. Ye are gods. We, if we remember who we are, the God self, the true divine self, and for people who are atheists and may not believe in God, the uh, the self within that knows all, the knower, we could call it, the thing inside of you that is bigger than the human you. If we align with that, that's all we need. That's it. Because this self, capital S self, is the all. It is all, it is the all, it is all the love, all the power, all the wisdom you will ever require. It provides everything in your life. It heals your body, it heals your mind, it heals your life, it uplifts people around you. It does only good and all good, and it is the whole universe. So you are the whole universe and the universe is you. I love it. I love it. Let's go to Neil here. Can witches do spells on themselves? All the time. I always spell myself. <laughs> That's an excellent one. And, and here's an example of spelling yourself. We've all spelled ourselves. What do we mean by this? We've all given ourselves 
hypnotized ourselves into some belief or we've made ourselves have some habit. We've spelled ourselves to brush our teeth every day. It's, it's a spell. You do it every day. What is a spell? A spell is an action. It's something that we actually do. And it is both an energetic and a physical action because a spell has the physical components to it that we are doing for the spell. The herbs, the crystals, the uh, incantation or the words, which are usually written on some kind of piece of paper or grimoire, magic book, a spell book. So we have the actual physical part of the spell. Then we have the energetic part of the spell. And these combine into what you could call like a ball of energy. And it's being cast out into the universe. And it is going to go and find its match. And it has a code, right? What do we do the spell for? We spelled for a greater abundance. We spelled for a house. I mean, everything in my house, I got by, everything in my life, I got by magic. But using this power that is with me in the form of magic and witchcraft. I live in a beautiful home. This, the, the sofa we were talking about, all this stuff comes to me by magic. And it's so easy. It's like my whole life became magical. So it's not a thinking thing that we have to really ponder. So you send these spells out and they return. And sometimes you spell yourself. That would be more ritual work. In other words, okay, on the new moon, I am going to write an intention for my life and what I desire to experience. I am going to experience greater joy. Okay, you're spelling yourself for greater joy and you're going to get perhaps some beautiful flowers and you're going to set up an altar and you're going to have water maybe from the river. You're going to get representations of joy and you're going to do this beautiful meditation or you're going to do this sacred bath and you're spelling yourself and we spell ourselves all the time. Love it. Love it. Neil has a question. Can witches do, uh, pardon me, it's a new one here. Do witches and wizards have different abilities? Oh, this is an excellent question. There are witches, wizards, and warlocks. And each of these are self-proclaimed, right? So the person themselves says, I'm a witch, or I'm a wizard, or I'm a warlock. Generally speaking, witches can go either way. Witches can be men or male or female. Witches can be good witches or not so good witches, you know, all by intention and everybody gets to choose whatever they want to do. So to witches, we don't really work on a like good and evil kind of thing. It's you are going to do something and then you are going to get the result. So the universe is a great corrector because whatever you put out there and a lot of Wiccans follow this, they call it the threefold law. Um, and that is that whatever you put out, what comes, it's gonna, what comes back is going to be three times. So a lot of Wiccans are very careful about what they do. People have a misconception that witches are just going around spelling people and spelling people's crops and spelling people's, uh, you know, money for bad things to happen and cursing spells. Most witches are not that frivolous because we have a concept unknowing that you cannot divorce yourself from what you do and the repercussions of what you do. They're not divorced. They're one and the same. So whatever I put out, I'm going to get it back three times according to what Wiccans believe. And I have a similar um, knowing of cause and effect. That's another one of the seven laws of hermetics is that everything has a cause and everything has an effect. So we're cause and you're going to get an effect. And so 
would I want this effect to come back to me, what I'm putting out? I'm putting out some kind of uh, ill towards someone else. Well, I'm just inviting ill into my life somewhere. Why would I do that? Why don't I just rid myself of ill? And why don't I just rid myself of ill will? Like, is the ill will that I'm directing towards someone, how is that helping me? It's not. It's not helping me in my life to harbor ill will. So that's where forgiveness comes in. So witches can go either way. Wizards are generally thought of to be more on the light side and warlocks are more generally thought of of being on the dark side of magic. And um, once again, these are more self-proclaimed, self-defined because I know warlocks that do a lot of great good in the world and they also will cast a spell. If somebody does something to them, they also will handle it just like that. So um, that's a very personal declaration, I'll say. Let's continue on here. Let's go to Easy Wind. Do you use any entheogens? And if so, which ones for what? Oh, I love entheogens. Ayahuasca, one of my favorite. So I have a sacred name. And uh, through the initiations over the years, I've gotten a few sacred names. And one of the sacred names that I use that is a public sacred name, the one is a private sacred name, so I would never, it's a magical name. So you don't usually say your magical name because there is power in a magical name and you don't want other people to have your magical name. A lot of people have that. A lot of witches have that. Uh, the public name that I can use publicly is Kaisi. And Kaisi came from an experience with Mother Ayahuasca. So I have had many experiences with Mother Ayahuasca. I also lead retreats to Peru for uh, a ceremonial experience with Ayahuasca. I understand that there are people who just order Ayahuasca like off of Amazon or something like that. And just take it in their living room. Uh, I'm not of that ilk. I honor all of the plant medicines because witches are in tune with nature and nature is our powerful ally. One of our powerful, powerful allies is nature. And so for the plant medicines, I do love ayahuasca. I love San Pedro. San Pedro is just this wonderful heart opener that we also do when we are in Peru. We're going there again for the spring equinox in 2024. So we'll be in Peru for the spring equinox. And I also love magic mushrooms because who doesn't love a little bit of psilocybin or as Terrence McKenna said, a heroic dose of psilocybin, <laughs> right? A heroic dose of psilocybin. So I do love entheogens, absolutely. Well, we'll get into that a little bit more in the next half hour here because we have the amazing and talented Reverend Valerie Love for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. We will continue with your questions as well if you're in our YouTube chat room. What a great night of radio tonight. We love Reverend Valerie Love. The love is strong tonight on the mighty SOR. We will be right back. Stay tuned, everybody. Oh, we have a blob sighting. We have a blob sighting. Let's see the blobbert. 
We got you on the big screen, Blob. We got you. Yeah. There she is. Good old Blobbert. Oh, she's beautiful. Hi, Blobbert. Hello, Blob. Apparently you're famous, Blob. You don't know, but apparently you are. You know what, Filth? That's actually a an incredible description of the wood, wood, wood nymph I saw. Well, I did listen carefully. I can tell. So, is that, is that good enough, you think? I can't see the damn things in the way. There we go. How about that there, Dave? That's good. That and who very... knows how many are behind there? Oh, at least three or four. You're a three or four you kind know, of guy. Sasquatch, Sasquatch get pretty big up there. Imagine what the, the wood gnomes get to. Right? Get rowdy with the wood gnomes, Dave. I think they're all in one, dude. I really do. They're all in, They're all good together. Hi, Bonehead. Welcome to SOR Chat. Great question. Mm. Who else do we have here? The Demon. With Sotic 2 for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means? Beach day. As a Tick 2 inhibitor, Sotic 2 is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about Sotic 2 today and learn more at SoClearlyYou.com. That's SoClearlyYou.com. Sotic 2 Decravacitinib is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotic 2. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotic 2 can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events, or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So Tick 2 inhibits Tick 2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if So Tick 2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info. With up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for pro and college football with BetOnline's real-time updates. BetOnline has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through to the World Series. Head to the website today to get in on the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. You having fun, Valerie? Oh, my goodness, yes. I, I was getting a little signal from my iPhone that, hey, power's going low, so I just had to go plug her up. So oh, we're good. 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 Yeah. Hello, my brother Eugene. How are you, my friend? Love you, man. And Moon Freedom, how are you? Who else do we have here? Okay, Pixie, I got your question. 
Dry Toast, the best name on YouTube. Terrible Times, how you doing? Jeremy Jones, how you doing? Uh, no, I will not, Zaddy. No offense. The Unknown, how are you? Uh, the GNR show last night was freaking amazing. It was amazing. Um, they played 27 songs. Uh, they were on stage for three hours. Uh, Allison Chains opened up for them, and they were incredible for their hour. So it was uh, it was well worth it. Uh, my little guy absolutely freaked out when Chinese Democracy came on, and then Welcome to the Jungle, and then Sweet Child of Mine, and then his ultimate favorite Guns N' Roses song, Night Train. And then he held me nice and tight when Paradise City was on for Daddy's favorite song. So that was amazing. <coughs> and uh, Axel was incredible, as per usual. And what else can I say? It was uh, it was a, a hell yeah type of moment. Oh, yeah. Lucifer, how you doing? Carol Burke, nice to see you. I will say, Marco, how are you? Uh, if I could give anybody a any advice, and I, I'm not a rich man by by any means or sorts, but you know what? I think it's really important if uh, you can introduce your kids and take them to see the music that you love. And not just because you want them to love your music or whatever. Hey, one random guy, what's up? Um, but it, it's more or less that bonding moment that you get with them. Like, it, it was incredible to be able to kind of stand beside my son with my arm around him, standing up in the stands, watching Paradise City be played. And watching him sing Paradise City along with Daddy, it was uh, it was a moment that I will treasure my entire life, and I know he will too. Blue Cruise, how you doing? Thank you, Louis Times Two, Grant, Sandra, and Kira for the super chats. Uh, here we go, everyone, with the next half hour. Past the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Always appreciate each and every one of you tuning us on in. Reminder to all of you that if you get the, if you uh, check out our free archives, you know, they're always going to be free for you at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. We're on every major podcast network, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, we're right there, everyone, right there. 
just go hit play. Make sure you give us that thumbs up or subscribe to the channel or whatever you have to do there. I'm not a podcast guy, so I wouldn't really know. But that's just me. All right. Also, our website, spacedoutradio.com. Yep, you've heard it before. I'll say it again. we got a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us in the Space Travelers Club on Patreon, just like our good friend, where is it here? Just like Chuck Elliott, the latest member. Yeah, we're getting uh, some stuff out next week for you guys too. So just be prepared. Be prepared. All right, Reverend Valerie Love is our guest. We have her till the top of the hour. And right before the break, we're talking about ayahuasca, psilocybin, and other types of trips, man, that take you to the next level of your cosmic spirituality. And, Valerie, thank you for joining us. And I want to just expand on a question of that before I get to more audience questions. And that would be the reasoning behind it because I'm someone I've never done it. I'm hesitant to try it. I know that I don't need it for my own experiences. So what would be the purpose of someone like me trying it? Communicate, uh, communication. So if you desire to have communication with other dimensions, it is a wonderful way to have direct communication with all manner of beings for different things. Um, it's For me, having these conversations with spirit beings is no different than having a conversation with someone on the planet. People used to come and have conversations with me because I was a financial advisor because I knew things about finances. They wanted to find out. And so they paid for that expertise. I want to have a conversation with an attorney because I want to find out what things I need to do in my business or in whatever I'm doing to stay on the right side of the law. Or you want to have a conversation with your accountant about taxes. Or there's myriad of people that we would talk to that have expertise that I don't have. And so what I love about communing with beings all over the universe without limit, uh, the quantum physicists that are talking about this, Dr. Uh, Hoffman calls them conscious agents, that the universe is filled with conscious agents. Well, having conversations with conscious agents, I think just makes us bigger people because we get to tap into intelligences that I don't have and intelligences beyond my own. So I would offer that even if it is not required because there's, there's certainly not required. Nothing outside of you is required for your unfoldment. You can completely unfold yourself from the inside out. Um, these are helpers. Okay. So what about health effects? Oh, that's a big one. So I have experienced that with psilocybin, it is a very beautiful healing experience and it has a wonderful healing experience in the body. Ayahuasca also, and and in the mind and in the emotions, Uh, psilocybin has been used now in a uh, mental health setting to even help veterans with PTSD. Some veterans have been rid, have gotten rid of PTSD in one magic mushrooms. We would call it trip or experience used in a clinical setting. 
with support from mental health professionals and medical professionals. So it's a multidimensional approach there and a holistic way of doing it. When we are in ayahuasca, now those bodily effects are very different from psilocybin. So as a plant medicine, all plants uh, have their own properties and energies in the body and in the spirit and in the mind. So we do know that this is true because people like um, the plant medicine that is cannabis. And we know that plant medicine affects beyond the body because cannabis is very good for taking pain out of the body. It also affects mood. It also affects mental states and emotional states. We all know this. And uh, we also know that tobacco, which is another powerful plant medicine, uh, also affects the body. Yet we're talking about tobacco without the 300 or so chemicals that are added to a cigarette. We're talking about just the pure tobacco. So all of these things have effects. Ayahuasca have the most has the most intensive effects in the body temple because there may be a, a lot of purging. What we have found with people because it is called the rope of death or the vine of death that it, it has a snake-like quality to it and serpents and snakes are revered all over the world for being healers and uh, there's even serpent lore in the Bible. While this serpent-like grip kind of wraps around you and sort of purges. So in an ayahuasca experience, a lot of people experience the purging. And that's a really powerful part of it because you're getting out things that could have been in the energetic system for decades. And so it has a purgative effect on the body and the emotions. And I would say that that is the most intense physical experience Yet, afterwards, it's really exhilarating and wonderful. So while you're in it, not so much fun. Afterwards, wow. I'll take your word for it. Let, <laughs> let's go to Jules. Is there any distinction between people who work with herbs and plant medicines and people who work with energies? Oh, that's a good question. Yes, I would say that there are distinctions between people who work with plants, herbal witches, green witches, we can call them, uh, hearth witches, hedge witches, uh, and uh, herbologists, even people who are, are Chinese medicine doctors, and people who work with energies. Because not every person that employs plant medicine is also an active energy healer, even though plants have energies. And then there are some people who simply work with energies like Reiki practitioners or people who are purely energy healers. They do everything through energy and they use no plants and they use nothing in the physical realm. There's pure energy. They all work. And yes, there are distinctions. Okay, let's continue on here. Let's go to Bonehead. Do you believe in spirit animals? And if so, what animal do you identify with? Oh, absolutely, spirit animals. Absolutely. I have many experiences with spirit animals. Absolutely. We all have had countless experiences with animals. We know that animals uh, uh, are, they're all magical messengers many times. 
And anybody that has a dog or a cat knows that their their animals are spiritual, <laughs> right? And uh, and know a lot of things and are great teachers for us. Well, my own uh, animal totems are the butterfly, hence this tattoo, as well as the elephant. And uh, the tele the the elephant and the butterfly have had profound effects in my life, and the uh, teaching the messages, the teaching that comes from the elephant and the butterfly are integral to my work on the planet. So absolutely, I'm all with the animal totems, animal spirit guides, all of it. Mine's a mountain lion. Oh, nice. I haven't seen it in years. Uh, when I was very much into uh, triggering my own spiritual experiences, when I'd meditate, the it would come with the face, its face like within inches of mine, and just yeah. stare. And it would it was powerful, powerful. The demon is asking, "Did modern humans build the Great Pyramid, and how?" No. Modern humans did not build the Great Pyramids. And we know that they did not build the Great Pyramids because there are a million stones, each of them weighing anywhere from two tons to 20 tons. And none of the stones are anywhere near the plateau, the Giza Plateau. So these stones were sourced from miles away and somehow were bought up the Nile River by humans and placed here in this giant pyramid. And you know when you're standing in front of the giant pyramid that humans didn't build this. Now, the story that they tell us is that the pyramids are about five, you know, maybe date to maybe 3,500, something like that, um, which would make them a little over 5,000 years old or something like that. Well, there's evidence that the, the Sphinx is pre-Diluvian. And we do know, according to archeological evidence, that there was a great flood in parts of on parts of this planet with the changes that this planet goes through and there was uh water and there's water damage on the sphinx so we know that the sphinx is far older than what they've told us and that i just don't trust the conventional dating in history books a lot of the history books you know whether we like it or not are driven by religion and we haven't completely broken out of that paradigm yet. And if we start saying that things are as old as they really are, it'll question the uh, some of the religious establishments on the planet. And people don't really like that being challenged. They don't like the things they believe being challenged. Yet I would say that probably none of the dating that they've given us mainstream is accurate. Human Carl is asking... If intent is what actually makes spells and, I believe, prayers really work, why is so much attention given to the ingredients and the rituals involved? Because each of these have energies. That's an excellent question. Each of them have energies, and the energies are going to amplify the intention. So, for instance, if I'm doing, this is a very simple one, if I'm doing something that has to do with love, we're going to get roses, and we're probably going to get red roses because everyone knows that a rose is eternal. You want this beautiful, loving relationship. In the human psyche, rose is very linked to love. 
So you might too, do something like a sacred bath with rose petals in it. You uh, may do pink and red rose petals. And we know that pink is the color of the heart chakra. Pink and green, some say green, some say pink. And we also know that there are certain plants and certain um, uh, herbs that are more associated with love, peace, beauty. There are some that are more hot and spicy. There are some that are more calming. We know that maybe if you get something like a, a chamomile, that's more calming. And people do this when they when they drink tea. Like we all know all of this. It's it's on the teas, right? You know, you get a nice chamomile tea before you go to bed at night. Or if you get a peppermint tea, it's probably more hot and, and upbeat uh, and more stimulating. Those are the energies. The energies are aligned with the intention. So it's very intentional. Everything you add to the spell, because everything you bring to the spell is amplifying that intention. But isn't that the point, is to try and amplify and heighten? Yes. Does, and it's, it's almost like a chef. If a chef, if you're in Jamaica, where you're going to eat some jerk chicken or jerk pork, this jerk chicken or jerk pork is so hot, especially to a more American palate, that the spice is just is flaming, even though it is delicious. What gets it to be so hot? Well, they keep adding the spice that brings it to the level of it being jerk. You could do it at varying levels. You could do a very mild kind of jerk seasoning, which is what you find in a lot of Jamaican restaurants in the United States, because they know that a pure jerk, you know, to 10 level, level 10 jerk chicken, probably is too hot for the American palate. Whereas if you grew up with that, you're used to it. So there's levels of intensity that you can put into a spell. Just like cooking, same thing. What, why does a chef choose certain ingredients for a pot roast or for a, why does a chef choose something for a pasta dish? All of these things, witchery is very similar to cooking. Very similar. We have ingredients. We have, spe- in cooking, you have a cookbook. In uh, witchery, we have a spell book or a grimoire. Very, very similar. And for the same purposes. Love it. Love it. Let's go to, let's see here, Pixie Lara. Valerie, are you familiar with Athena Paracas? I believe she you would like her and her teachings. No, I have not heard of her. I will look her up. Wonderful. And Pixie Lara, she's brilliant with stuff like that. So I would. Oh, good. Yeah. Thank you for that. Terrible Times is asking Valerie, have you worked with addicts in conjunction with psychedelics or just spiritual? That is an excellent question. So we bring a lot of different kinds of people on spiritual retreats with us, you know, according to their calling to being spiritual, uh, to these plant medicines. Each person who goes to imbibe ayahuasca for sure has been called by Mother Ayahuasca. Now, yes, we have worked with people who have addictions and I'll give you an example. Many people are allergic, are, are addic- not allergic, addicted to sugar and don't know it. I used to have a sugar addiction, terrible sugar addiction. We do know that sugar is a killer. 
if just unbridled sugar, you know, I had a little ice cream today. It's okay. Unbridled sugar is not something that the human body processes well. So ayahuasca actually helps with many addictions. Really, I would say any addiction because any addiction is somewhere in consciousness. There's something going on in consciousness that ayahuasca helps to unlock. So while I'm not promising medical cures or anything like that or medical treatment, I'm saying that when Mother Ayahuasca calls you, she's calling you for a reason. Ooh. Ooh, that sounds a little... Oh, wow. Let's go to Susie B, who is asking, how do you know what teaching your spirit animal holds? Oh, such a good question. This elephant has been with me all my life. So when I was a little girl, because we were in a very strict religious experience, my mother didn't let us read a lot of secular books other than like fairy tales and things like that. She used to say a tale is a lie, so therefore no fairy tales. So she was not big into Disney and things like that, which left us the Encyclopedia Britannica. I don't know if anybody remembers that. I am ancient. I just had my 62nd birthday, so I'm ancient. And uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica was what I would actually read, you know, and uh, books that were about nature. I always gravitated to the elephant. The elephant spirit was calling me. It was speaking to me. Hey, is that the new iPhone 15 Pro? Yeah, it's made with titanium and the Pro camera is epic. Just got it at T-Mobile. Nice. Yep, and I got their Go 5G Next plan, so now I have the freedom to upgrade my phone every year. Whoa, I gotta get to T-Mobile. Get our best deals on iPhone 15 Pro at T-Mobile.com. One-year upgrade requires Go 5G Next Plan, financing new qualifying device, and upgrading in good condition after six months with half paid off. Is that the new iPhone 15 Pro? Oh, yeah. It's made with titanium, and the Pro camera is epic. Just got it at T-Mobile. Nice. Yeah. And I got their Go 5G Next Plan, so now I have the freedom to upgrade my phone every year. I gotta get to T-Mobile. Take charge of your upgrades at T-Mobile.com. Phone now via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on a required finance agreement due. One-year upgrade requires financing qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six months with half paid off. The elephant spirit was teaching me about the maternal leadership. The elephant community, especially African elephants, there are Asian elephants and African elephants. I've studied elephants all over the world. I've been in Thailand bathing with the elephants. They're such great teachers. They are maternal and they're led by an uncontested matriarch who knows where the water is. And she takes them through the savannah on a great journey and she knows all the watering holes how long it's going to take to get there. And they follow her and she's uncontested. No one is going to challenge and say, well, I'm going to be the leader. It's not like some of the uh, wolf experiences where in the wolf community, you're going to see a challenge to the alpha. And then if you can beat the alpha, you're the new alpha, right? Uh, there are some animal totems that are like that. And wolf is a powerful, powerful totem that comes a lot in the native traditions that I've been in, especially sweat lodges. You see wolf and sweat lodges a lot. Like I've been in little Lakota sweat lodges and also the sweat lodge in Peru with the shaman and in ayahuasca. Wolf loves that kind of thing. 
Well, elephant is maternal. It is leadership. It is feminine leadership, powerful leadership, non-bossy, simply powerful because it comes from a place of wisdom. It's not coming from, I'm going to boss you. So all of y'all follow me because I know what I'm doing. It's coming from, she's old. She's probably, you know, like, I don't know, 60 years old. And she's been around. And she knows how to get the baby elephants come along and how to keep them alive on the way. And elephants are one of the few animal species that mourn their dead. So when the elephants are on their sojourn, if they come across elephant bones, they stop and they mourn them. They take the trunk over the elephant bones. They study the elephant bones of their brethren, their fallen family members. And so there's so much I learned from elephants. One of the big things I had to learn from elephant is elephant skin because I'm a Christian witch. And, you know, Christians, you know, people come for you. And uh, I got elephant hide at this point <laughs> from probably from so much abuse. <laughs> but elephant has taught me so much. And butterfly is uh, about my transformational work on the planet because something tells a caterpillar that has been crawling around, inching its way, sliming its way through life, really, on the ground. Something tells it to climb up a tree and go on the underside of a branch and hang there and swath itself, kill itself, basically. Swath itself, mummify itself, and just be there and just hang out. And then it dies and something else is born. And what comes out is this spectacular thing that doesn't even resemble the thing that was slugging around on the earth. That is a metamorphosis that is beyond comprehension. And that is indeed what we're doing in our journey, our soul's journey. Love it. Okay. I think we got time for one more question here. This one from one random guy. Do spells involve help from other dimensional entities? If yes, do they want something in return? Example, sacrifices. Excellent question. Yes and no. So there are spells that you can work that have no um, requirement for any entities other than yourself. Then there's angel magic, which a lot of magicians work angel magic. I love angel magic. I do angel magic. I love it. I've done angel magic naturally all my life because they just seem very close to me. It's always been very natural for me to talk to angels. And so, yes, I implore angels to help with the work that I do. They help tremendously with the work that I do. There are sorcerers who get the help of what we would call demonic entities, if we put it in a Christian paradigm. Um, I don't really view them as good or evil. They're just different beings for different things. And these demonic entity, entities, yes, they do make packs. Now, angels don't make packs with people. They don't have to. Angels are very task-specific. They work very differently than a, a more of a, a demonic kind of being or a being that is of lower vibration, I would just say. And some of them of the lower vibration, they do want some kind of blood pact. They want either blood from yourself or they need some kind of energy. You're feeding them. Now, we feed angels too. 
energy because we love them and it's more of a devotional experience. Uh, some demand some kind of payment. I haven't really been with angels that demand payment. I haven't had that experience. Sorcerers, however, that are dealing with uh, de demonic entities, they're definitely going to demand some kind of payment because the, the sorcerer, the nature of sorcery is that you are compelling a being to come and do something for you that doesn't want to be doing it. So it's more antagonistic, whereas angels are more helpful anyway. So it's not like you're going to compel an angel to do something for you. So, and then there are in the African traditions, the African magics, there are the Orisha and in the um, Vodun, Voodoo practices, various of the Reverend Valerie Love, thank you for being on Spaced Out Radio. What a pleasure it's been. Coming up next, Steve Stockton from Among the Missing. Then Super Duke brings us the cryptid report. A jam-packed hour three of Spaced Out Radio is next. Thank you, Dave. It's been amazing. You have been amazing. <laughs> wow, I had a ball. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's do this again. Absolutely. Much Let me know when, and we'll do it. Much Thank love. You. Take have care. Beautiful night. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Peace and love. Bye-bye. I love her. I love her. Not going to lie. Wow. I'll be right back, everyone.
<laughs> Good times tonight. Good times. She was amazing. You're welcome, Candy Wolf. Thank you. It was a lot of fun tonight. A lot of fun. any of you ever pulled your groin muscle I'm not saying that as a perverted comment or anything like that a number of years ago playing baseball I was up to bat and I pulled my groin muscle and one thing about groin muscles is they never heal And my back, my lower back is seized up and, and it's put a lot of pressure on my right side and my groin muscle has totally flared back up along with shooting pain right down to my right knee and I can barely walk right now. And it is so, so painful. So if you see me grimacing, that's the reason why. Thank you to Human Carl, Louis times two, Grant, Sandra, and Kira for the super chats. Here comes our number three. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are around this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone uh, listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Please join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do be the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Ecophobia. Ecophobia is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join our amazing team right here in the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. It is that time of the night where we head over to Among the Missing, Steve Stockton, with another creepy story. Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. 
Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. According to local legends, a Sasquatch creature also terrorizes towns. One example is Portlock, a settlement on the southern edge of the Kenai Peninsula that was abandoned. Some people think a powerful magnetic force in the area could be responsible for planes and ships. Leader Hale Boggs and Alaskan Representative Nick Baggett's Douglas C-54 Skymaster or any bodies were found. Disappeared in a small plane while flying over the area. The aircraft and its occupants were never located despite a massive search effort. All were later declared deceased. Numerous unexplained disappearances in the Alaska Triangle have led to various theories about what could have caused them. Some people think a powerful magnetic force in the area could be responsible for planes and ships going off course. Others suggest the possibility of extraterrestrial entities or the spirits of the native Alaskans who once lived there. According to local legends, a Sasquatch creature also terrorizes towns. One example is Portlock, a settlement on the southern edge of the Kenai Peninsula that was abandoned in the 1950 after villagers were reportedly attacked and killed by an unknown creature they called the Nantanak. Not only are there supernatural theories, but there are also logical explanations for the disappearances in the Alaska Triangle. The region is infamous for its harsh weather conditions and challenging terrain, which can cause significant obstacles for search and rescue teams. Furthermore, the expansive wilderness can cause people to become lost and confused, mainly if they are unfamiliar with the area. The enigma of the Alaska Triangle and the cause of the disappearances in the region remains a mystery. While some theories may seem implausible, it is evident that something peculiar is happening there. We may never know whether it's due to supernatural forces or the harsh wilderness of Alaska. Next up, Yosemite National Park. Yosemite National Park is in California's Sierra Nevada Mountains and boasts breathtaking granite cliffs, lush forests, and magnificent waterfalls, making it an ideal location for nature lovers. However, the park has a strange history of disappearances. Although some of these incidents can be attributed to accidents or natural causes, others remain mysterious and have given rise to various theories and legends. The case of Stacy Aris' disappearance in Yosemite National Park is widely known. In 1981, the then 14-year-old girl from San Rafael, California, went backpacking with her father in the park. They set up camp close to the Merced River, but Stacy vanished without a trace during the night. Despite a thorough search effort, she was never located. A 30-year-old Army reservist and hiker named Joel Thomason had planned a solo hiking trip starting from Hetch Hetchy on September 6, 2021. He intended to fish in the Lake Eleanor area and return on September 9, 2021. However, he may have decided to extend his trip and heads toward Cherry Lake or even as far as the Grand Canyon of the Tulumne River. Joel was likely carrying a kayak, which was packed in a large red pouch attached to the exterior of his backpack. Despite immense efforts, Joel has yet to be located. Yosemite National Park has had multiple occurrences of hikers, climbers, and backpackers vanishing. While some cases have been resolved, others remain a mystery. The reason behind these disappearances is disputed, with some suggesting a serial killer or malicious force while others theorize supernatural or paranormal causes. Experts have identified accidents like falling or getting lost in the wilderness as the primary reasons 
for disappearances in Yosemite National Park. Even experienced hikers and climbers can be at risk if unprepared due to the park's vast and rugged terrain, emphasizing the importance of being cautious while enjoying the great outdoors. And thank you to Steve Stockton for another wonderful spooky story from Among the Missing. If you want more like that, you can head on over to his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Among the Missing, and hit that subscribe button and listen to all his stories for free. All right, from the mysterious to the mountains of Montana, it's Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio and the Cryptid Report. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. Always a pleasure to have you here, my man. How you been doing? Doing pretty good. And here for uh, one of the, uh, ooh, it's spooky October. And you know what that means. It's time for Oktoberfest beer. Some people celebrate Halloween, however, so it's also time for spooky stories. So I got one for you guys tonight. Beautiful. And, of course, it, it comes from one of those places that, is so renowned for being uh, exceptionally Bigfooty, and right now you're thinking, uh, hmm, Washington State, Oregon, Northern California, somewhere up there in the Pac West, BC, perhaps. Uh, no, this is from Oklahoma. Okay. As of ten years ago, Oklahoma had. I'm looking at the number right now. One thousand one hundred and twenty-three reported Bigfoot sightings. Oklahoma has more Bigfoot sightings than any other state, but not very many people are aware of that. So this story uh, is, uh, <clears throat> I'll, give you the, I'll give you the exact quote from Mark Twain uh, at the top, at the bottom of the hour when we start part two. But this is one of those stories that has legs and uh, it goes around. And um, a lot of people quote it like they think it's, uh, it, it's real for sure. And it's kind of suspect. But anyway, here's the story. And this is called the Lafleur Massacre. It said that in or around 1855, a band of Choctaws in what is now Lafleur County and farmers in what is now Arkansas were experiencing some terrifying events. It all began in a rather benign way with the theft of vegetables, a few head of livestock, and other foodstuff by stealthy bandits in the dead of night. The thieves were cagey, quiet, and never seen. They were also smart, as somehow they never ventured into Choctaw encampments on nights when a watchman was in place. Neither did the bandits ever fall into the trap set for them by farmers outside of Indian territory. Those charged with finding and capturing these marauders began... Hey, is that the new iPhone 15 Pro? Yeah, it's made with titanium and the Pro camera is epic. Just got it at T-Mobile. Nice. Yep, and I got their Go 5G Next plan, so now I have the freedom to upgrade my phone every year. Whoa, I gotta get to T-Mobile. Get our best deals on iPhone 15 Pro at T-Mobile.com. One-year upgrade requires Go 5G Next Plan, financing new qualifying device, and upgrading in good condition after six months with half paid off.
Is that the new iPhone 15 Pro? Oh yeah, it's made with titanium and the Pro camera is epic. Just got it at T-Mobile. Nice. Yeah, and I got their Go 5G Next plan, so now I have the freedom to upgrade my phone every year. I gotta get to T-Mobile. Take charge of your upgrades at T-Mobile.com. Phone now via 24-monthly bill credits plus tax for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on a required finance agreement due. One-year upgrade requires financing, qualifying device, and upgrading in good condition after six months with half paid off. To develop a begrudging respect for the willingness of their adversaries as time went by, and the petty thefts continued. While the thefts were annoying and did cause some hardships, neither the Choctaw or the neighboring Anglo farmers were afraid of the food bandits. However things changed once women and children began to go missing. Spurred by reports of these kidnappings, a group of 30 Choctaw cavalrymen was organized to hunt down the abductors. The group was led by Joshua LaFleur, a man of mixed Choctaw and French blood, who was deeply respected by his fellow tribesmen. Also joining the search party was a Choctaw warrior named Hamas Tubby, and that's spelled T-U-B-B-E-E and his six sons. The Tubbies were all huge men, all approaching seven feet in height and weighing in at more than 300 pounds each, and were regarded as fierce warriors and expert horsemen. The Tubbies were so effective in mounted warfare that despite their massive size, it became known as the Light Horsemen. A contingent of searchers armed to the teeth set out into the region known today as the McCurtain County Wilderness Area to search for the kidnappers. After riding all day, the searchers finally arrived in the area where they believed the bandits to be hiding. Lafleur brought his troops to a halt, stood up in his stirrups, and surveyed the area with a nautical spyglass. It is unclear exactly what Lafleur saw, but whatever it was, he ordered his men to charge towards a stand of pines roughly 500 yards distant. Lafleur and the Tubby men led the attack. As the troops closed the distance between themselves and the stand of pines where the kidnappers were thought to be hiding, they were assaulted by a tremendous stench, the unmistakable odor of decay and decomposition. The horses of most of the men began to buck and rear, tossing their riders. Only the mounts of Lafleur and the Tubby men were disciplined enough to remain composed, allowing the eight men to continue through the pines. As the men cleared the small wooded patch, they came upon a large earthen mound. Scattered across the mound were the bodies of children and women oh in various stages of decomposition. Lafleur and the Tubbies caught a glimpse of a number of the murderers fleeing into the tree line on the opposite side of the mound. Only three of the killers stood their ground to meet the charge of the light horsemen. It was at this time that the cavalrymen realized that they were not going up against any human foe. Rather, standing before them, snarling and beating their chests, were three huge hair-covered creatures. Despite what must have been a shocking sight to him, Lafleur drew his pistol and saber, spurred his mount, and charged. As Lafleur approached the nearest ape, it took a mighty swipe and struck his horse in the head, killing it instantly. Lafleur managed to roll off his falling horse, quickly jumping to his feet, and fired multiple shots into the chest of the creature. Uh, the other account says he fired all six. Once his pistol was empty, Lafleur attacked the ape with his saber, opening up gaping wounds on the animal, which roared in rage and pain. Lafleur's assault on the creature was so quick and the shock of seeing hair-covered monsters so great that the tubby men hesitated, completely stupefied before entering the fray. This delay allowed one of the other two apes to get behind Lafleur, who was intensely focused on the ape he had engaged. 
The second beast grabbed Lothor's head with two huge hands and ripped it from his shoulders. This horrible sight jolted the tubby warriors into action, and they opened fire on the three Sasquatches with 50 caliber sharp buffalo rifles. Two of the beasts were killed instantly, dropping in their tracks. The third creature was wounded, but turned and fled before the lethal shot could be fired. Robert Tubby, only 38 years old, but already 6'11 and weighing over 300 pounds, spurred his horse, ran down the injured ape, and dispatched it with his hunting knife. <clears throat> As the rest of the troop, after gathering their panicked horses, joined them, the light horsemen surveyed the area. The bodies of dead women and children, most partially devoured, littered the area. The smell of decay, along with the terrible odor of the beast's feces, caused many of the men to vomit. After composing themselves, the men gathered the remains of the unfortunate women and children and buried them. They also buried their leader, Joshua LaFleur. As for the three ape-like monsters, their bodies were placed upon a huge bonfire and burned. Their hellish task complete, the Choctaw warriors returned to Tuscahoma, where it is said even the mighty tubby men were plagued by terrible nightmares for years afterwards. And that is pretty much the story. That one's quite violent, man. You don't hear a lot of stories like that. Extremely violent, yeah. And there's some uh, some things about it that make you kind of question the veracity. But we'll get into that in uh, the second hour. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the things that you can say about it is that there actually was a Joshua LaFleur. He actually apparently was married into the Choctaw tribe. He did live back in 1855 when the story happened. and uh, And that's it. <laughs> that's all you can verify in the story and several other people have done a uh, uh, their own research into this story and I was looking for a copy of this to read to you guys earlier today actually and it's like not that easy to find um, I just did a Google search for it and what Google brought up was uh, my video episode 53 where we were talking about this story. <laughs> so that wasn't very helpful. It's like, no, I want a written version. Where's the written versions at? Well, that's part of the problem. And apparently there was no, um, there's no newspaper article of this. So being that it only came out this century, where did the story come from? If there was no newspaper article, it had to be an oral tradition. So the only way the story could have carried from 1855 to present as an oral tradition is if it was an oral tradition of the Choctaw, which is the tribe mentioned in the story. Now, the person that I had on episode 53 was Jim Bear King from the Bigfoot Outlaws, who is part Choctaw and talks to them. And he has, you know, enough... Uh, uh, in with the tribe that he could talk to the elders and get Bigfoot stories and stuff from them too. They know what he does. They know he's a Bigfoot researcher. He gets unnerved when they tell him stories about Thunderbirds and stuff that he doesn't want to think are real. <laughs> but yeah, they'll tell him all kinds of stories about Bigfoot. And they said, uh, no, this is not true. This, uh, we don't have any legend like this. So he started talking to others in the South to see if he could figure out where this whole thing came from. And the closest thing that he could find to it was with the Kiowa tribe that he's also friends with. And he's got a couple of friends that are friends with them. And they were asking him the seven kind, uh, same kind of questions about this. You know, have you ever heard a story like this? And they said, well, 
there's something that happened in our tribe way a long time ago that's similar to that, but it's not the same story. So I don't know where they get, they got, you know, this one from. And part of the giveaway on this thing is the too much detail. If it's a written story and there was an eyewitness there and they wrote it down at the time in a newspaper article or something, there's going to be detail because newspapers want to sell copies. So even if there isn't very much detail, they'll gloss it up a little bit. They'll jazz it up, make it sound more exciting. And that's the way this story comes across. And But you got to really question that. Now, if this is an oral transmission from 150 years ago through the tribal elders, they're not going to have all those details in there. It's not important to the story, how this all happened, how heroic Joshua LaFleur died battling the Sasquatch. And anybody that knows a lot about uh, Civil War weapons, which me and my host, uh, my guest, Jim Bear King, both do, and I grew up in a gun shop in the 1970s. We had a shooting range in the backyard, and that was when the Bicentennial was going on. So black powder weapons for reenactors were incredibly popular, and I owned and shot virtually everything that existed in that time period. And there's a whole bunch of tells on this story that should let anybody that knows very much about that time period, the weaponry available, and especially the behavior of horses and Bigfoot know that it's pure baloney. And the first thing is the charge of the light horsemen. Some of the horses smelled a terrible reeking odor and panicked while they were smelling the Sasquatch. Their other horses, more disciplined, charged forward. I've actually talked to a few other Bigfoot experts on this, and uh, <laughs> they all say there ain't no way in hell you're going to get a horse to charge a Bigfoot. Because it, it, if they could smell it, they're going the opposite direction. They know that thing can and will kill them as soon as they get near it. They won't charge it. Um, you know, just not going to happen. They have supernatural terror of it, like pretty much everything else does, in addition to, you know, having this... Uh, innate knowledge of what's going to happen if they get too close to it. So that's a big red flag right there. Second one is when they get close enough, uh, he draws his pistol and he starts shooting. The one Bigfoot takes a swat, knocks the head off the horse. Okay, that's believable. Now, somehow he rolls to his feet again before it can get from it's right there in front of the horse to where he's at on the ground. For a Bigfoot, that's one step, not buying it. Then he somehow has time to empty his whole pistol, six-shooter, into the onrushing Bigfoot. Um, okay, most of the pistols available at this time, except for very, very expensive ones, were single action. And that meant every time you pulled the trigger, you had to cock it again. You couldn't go blam, 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 and just pull the trigger. So again, he's way too close for this to have possibly happened. He would have gotten off maybe one shot, possibly two, and that would have been the end of it. And then they say that he not only emptied the whole gun, but he pulled a saber and went after the Bigfoot with his saber. Okay. Does this sound believable? <laughs> and he's having this saber fight with the Bigfoot. What's the Bigfoot doing? Just standing there taking wounds? All it's got to do is reach out and swat his head off. It's way faster than he is, and it's got longer reach. So that's when the other Bigfoot sneaks around behind him and twists his head off. There's hardly any detail in this story that's believable. I don't believe it. I'm just going to tell you right now. I mean, suplex me, smack me across the head with a steel chair there, Duke. But that just, I mean, were they lightsabers? I mean, let's be honest here. 
Was I owned Star a Cavalry Wars? Saber when I was 16 years old, and you can't do that with it. They're very heavy and cumbersome. They're only good for hacking. You can't use it like in a pea or a, uh, a rapier to adroitly stab and jump away. And again, you're talking about something that they're claiming they're like 9, 10 feet tall. What's their reach? How fast? They're way faster than we are, and their reach is a lot faster than ours is. You got time for like one shot before it hits you and you're, de- you're dead. You just, you know... <laughs> It's just laughable. Like, you know, this is a description written by a fantasy author who has never seen an actual Bigfoot. Especially never seen how fast they can run. Mm-hmm. I get you. And that's part of the thing that should give it away to people. But unfortunately, it's a really good story and it's really scary. So everybody kind of wants it to be real. So it keeps getting passed around. And then every so, so often you get some crabby creep like me or a youthful and questioning person like bob gimlin with his channel who also did a show about this that give you the whole story here's what they said and then he didn't go into detail about the parts in the fight scene that were completely wrong he just went and looked for the backstory is there any record of this being anywhere prior to being on the internet in the 21st century and absolutely no there isn't so, again, it's like you can go, well, look, superficially it could be true because, you know, Captain Lafleur did actually exist and he was married to the Tubbies and he was a great hero in their tribe. And maybe that county there is named after him. They can't even, that's not even guaranteed. Some people say Lafleur County came named after him and that's by no means certain. Um, you know, so therefore the story must be true. But that's like saying, well, since Hitler and Churchill lived at the same time and they were arch enemies, at one point they had a saber duel that nobody really chronicled, but there's this, this true story about it. Well, where's the evidence? There never is. There never is. And, you know, the point here is that there could have been. There is a newspaper report from Florida that we're going to talk about next week that's from way back in the 1820s, 1823, if I remember right, where there actually was an incident that was similar to this, and it was documented. They had the town crier out there measuring the thing. They had newspaper reports going out. It went halfway across the country. That one there's some documentation for. The Lafleur massacre, however, there is no documentation for. And after the break, I'll get into exactly where it came from. Great timing as per usual, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. Here on Spaced Out Radio for the Cryptid Report, Super Duke joins us each and every week for the great news coming out of the forest and the monsters among us. We continue with Super Duke right after this, going into the final half hour of Spaced Out Radio. All right, we are clear. Okay. That's good. (laughs) That's good Super Duking right there. Good Super Duking. Wait until you hear where that story came from and what's behind it. It's almost equally as bad. I can imagine. I can imagine. All right. CS, how you doing? Why are you muted? Who's muted? All right. Yeah, that was quite the story. Uh, CS, your YouTube tab may be muted.
Derek Galloway, I expect a text message in the morning. Just so you know. Dogman UK, how you doing? I am not okay. I'm in a lot of pain in the last few days. But I am working on it. My good friend Philzy is working on me. He's a magician when it comes to uh, the good stuff, which is called pain. Yep, Philzy's taking care of me. You know, the hard part is just getting comfortable. It's one of those things where, you know, I now have to sleep with like a pillow between my legs at night in order to not be sore. Uh, Sandra, it's not sciatica. I've had that before. That sucks. And and so what my, my buddy Philzy is doing is... He is going in and literally improving all my nerve connections and and uh, with a little chiropractic in between and massage and touch healing and everything. And it's amazing, amazing what he does. I don't even know how to explain it. I really don't. Oh. Although I don't recommend this pain. But that's okay. That is okay. Yeah, it's been going on for about three weeks now. Three, four weeks. And as Phil states, some in order to heal the entire area rather than just the issue, you have to heal around the issue to heal the um to heal the actual pain. So when I go for treatment, I immediately come home. And I have an Epsom salt bath, which seems to really help. Never really knew that stuff worked. I hear Super Duke. Super Duke, Super Duke. That's right, I'm back with more exciting Bigfoot stories every week. Next week, the Man Mountain Monster story from Florida. Actually, it was on the border of Florida and Georgia and Okefenokee. It has never been debunked. And there were a bunch of eyewitnesses and several people got dead. Several people got dead? Yep. That was a scary one, and it was something that we're not even sure that was actually a Bigfoot or not, but it seemed like it might have been one. Mm.
They kind of asked for it, though. They were being all he-man, you know, like, oh, we'll go hunt the monster. No, that's yeah. never a good idea. Uh, it only works out good in video games. The Unknown is asking, have you ever heard of the the Heel Boon Bigfoot encounter? Or the, I'm no, sure that's, I have not. I'm sure that's misspelled. Oh, he said Daniel Boone. Boone. Yeah. Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett both had Bigfoot encounters. Yeah, Daniel Boone was saving his kid for, uh, from uh, a Bigfoot that was attacking him, supposedly. Okay, Duke, we got three seconds. Hold on. We've rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed most of this show or others, you can check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. We continue on with our main man, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio, telling us some weird, strange, cryptid stories, and we love it, Duke. Thank you so much for being here. I always enjoy it, and this is... uh hilariously enough six years ago and recorded that show on this uh topic bear said well you know every two three years you're gonna have to roll this out again and remind everybody that the story ain't true (laughs) and will do so here's my public service announcement from every two or three years this story is not true and as mark twain said a lie can run halfway around the world before you get out of bed before the truth gets out of bed and puts his shoes on in the morning And that was a good example of this one. Hey, is that the new iPhone 15 Pro? Yeah, it's made with titanium and the Pro camera is epic. Just got it at T-Mobile. Nice. Yep, and I got their Go 5G Next plan, so now I have the freedom to upgrade my phone every year. Whoa, I gotta get to T-Mobile. Get our best deals on iPhone 15 Pro at T-Mobile.com. One-year upgrade requires Go 5G Next Plan, financing new qualifying device, and upgrading in good condition after six months with half paid off. Hey, is that the new iPhone 15 Pro? Yeah, it's made with titanium, and the Pro camera is epic. Just got it at T-Mobile. Nice. Yep, and I got their Go 5G Next Plan, so now I have the freedom to upgrade my phone every year. Whoa, I gotta get to T-Mobile. Get our best deals on iPhone 15 Pro at T-Mobile.com. One-year upgrade requires Go 5G Next Plan, financing new qualifying device, and upgrading in good condition after six months with half paid off. In other words, the story is so good that everybody wanted it to be true, whether it was or not. And it's a good story. It'd make for a great, you know, Hollywood movie or something like that, but that doesn't mean that it's true. And so, of course, after this story came out, uh, Bear remembered that he had actually heard this similar story before. And went back and double-checked it and went, sure enough, it was the Kiowa tribe on the opposite side of the state that had a story that was very similar. 
and it was not exactly identical. What was going on in their situation is that their women kept getting kidnapped. There wasn't any children being taken. And the reason this was happening is because of a cultural thing they were doing where like a lot of the more primitive cultures, they believed that when women were on their menstrual cycle, they were unclean. So the men couldn't touch them or be around them or even look at them. So what they had to do was set up a hut on the edge of their encampment, uh, quote unquote, purity hut. And one of the older women, usually a widow or something, would, you know, man it or woman it all the time. And then when the women were during that time of the month, they would go and stay in the purity hut until it was over with. They're okay to be around the men again. Now, the problem with this is twofold. First of all, the men can't guard the purity hut. <laughs> They're not even supposed to be looking at the purity hut in case one of the unpure women walks out of it. So how are they going to protect them? And the second thing is it's at the edge of the encampment. Now, the third thing comes in here in that Bigfoot being hybrids and having an incredible sense of smell. And when women are on their menstrual cycle, pheromones, so they can smell it and it attracts them. So it's like they're baiting the Bigfoot to come and steal their women, essentially, but they don't realize that's what they're doing. And because it's their cultural tradition, they have two choices, either change their cultural tradition or get rid of the Bigfoot that are stealing the women. So guess which option they chose? Of course. Of course they changed their cultural tradition. No, they went after the Bigfoot. So they, <clears throat> after they, they realized where the women kept disappearing to, um, they finally got a whole bunch of the different encampments together. And keeping in mind that the Kiowa were nomadic, um, they were like more Great Plains living tribe. And, uh, you know, they weren't like having outhouses and sanitary disposal or anything like that. So after a period of time, you'd need to move the encampment just for sanitary reasons. So they tended to move around a lot. And because of this, they didn't have like big fortifications or something that could keep a Bigfoot out. You know, everybody was living in teepees or little huts or something. So it made it just ridiculously easy for the women to be abducted by the Bigfoot. Not to say that they should do that. No, bad. But my theory on this sort of behavior is that this is the kind of thing that comes up a lot with the Bigfoot looking in windows, especially at younger girls, um, especially right around the time they reach puberty, and sometimes older single women, they'll want to stare in the windows at them. And in a lot of cases, it could be just because it's that time of the month and their sense of smell is so acute, they can smell it. You know, if you've got a leaching field with a drain from your... Uh, uh, septic tank or something like that, everything that's coming from the toilet is going out there, and that's all a scent marker. And even if that isn't the case, uh, feminine sanitary products in the dumpster will alert them. So all these sort of things can gather their attention, where normally they're not interested in human women. And the only ones that probably are are the horny teenagers. And that's because the alpha male controls the troop and doesn't let any of the other males uh, couple with any females without his permission, which generally means they're all related. So he's not letting those younger males have sex at all. And they're really horny. So they're looking for a substitute. This leads to all sorts of problems. So in this case, my theory is that it may not have been an actual tribe. It could have been just a whole bunch of horny teenagers who got thrown out of their own groups mm -hmm. and all banded together. This sort of thing has happened before. LBL is a great example of that. 
That's why there's so many problems with the Sasquatch down there because they're not part of a tribe. They're all outcasts. So it's like a criminal gang hanging out, out there. And that could be the same situation here. Now, according to Jim Barry King, the tribe themselves said they were a tribe of Bigfoot. So maybe that indicated that there were, in fact, females and children there. I don't know. Again, this is an actual oral tradition, so they don't give a lot of detail. But what happened is that some of the Braves managed to track uh, at least one or two of them when they had gotten out of camp there and figured out where they were going to. And there was a mound, and they had some sort of a cave on the top of this big mound, and that's where they're all staying at. So they got together all the warriors that they could, and they rode out there and surrounded this mound, and they all went up every side of it. And when they got to the top, they had a pitched battle with all these Sasquatch up there, and they managed to kill every last one of them. And this was before there was any white men and before they had any gunpowder weapons. So they were using things like bows and arrows and spears and lances and things like that. And apparently they got at least a couple of their women back again. But, uh, you know, that was it. And that was also it for the Sasquatch problem in the Kiowa Territory. Now, as to where this exactly happened, the mound that it happened on, we can't pinpoint, but it's supposed to be northwest of Oklahoma City, possibly in Garfield, Mayer, or Woods County. And sorry, it can't be more specific. We just don't know. Um, as far as the other story, we found out where, or Bear did, where it originated from is a guy that writes children's books named Tuklo Nashoba. And that is his children's book story writing name. Real name is Cliff Sewell. Anyway, he has never said this is a true story. But everybody like it so much, he hasn't walked around disavowing it either. Because it's got a lot of legs, and it's a fun story, and everybody's having a great time with it. And he's the one that wrote it. So, ta-da, there you go. That's where the story came from. Incredible. Incredible. One thing that I'm noticing with all of these stories that you kind of have let go here is the violent nature of this creature. Normally, we're used to hearing about Sasquatch you know, being very passive, being very shy, you know, not wanting to deal with people. But in these circumstances, it just seems like this is a creature that is totally different than what we think we're dealing with here. Yeah, again, that's a red flag that there's probably a whole bunch of elements of these stories that are wrong because you hear thousands of reports that contradict them, so it makes it hard to believe them. The, the parts of it that we, we cannot believe the parts where they're saying that they had like, you know, dead half rotting children piled up because they were having a barbecue with them or something. That just does, that falls so far outside the lines of everything else that we know about them. It's not even believable. Plus the fact is that most animals think we taste horrible and won't eat us anyway. There's only bears and very few other things that will even eat a dead human. That's why you could find our remains because we're gross. We stink. So they don't want to eat us anyway. And then uh, in the other story, the Kiowa story is more believable because there's plenty of reports of them kidnapping women. And that comes from a lot of different tribes. Yes. So that, that one totally fits in with it. You even got the famous um, story of Seraphine Long, which is more up there in your neck of the woods, where they kidnapped that poor woman and kept her in a cave for about eight months. And she finally couldn't just live in the conditions that they could survive anymore. And it was killing her. And she convinced that young young Sasquatch had kidnapped her and fell in love with her to bring her back again, which he did. 
and you know she survived the ordeal and stuff but this has happened a few other times too where the, the woman either escaped or somehow was brought back and in most cases it seemed like they were just super sick and they needed help that the sasquatch didn't know what to deal with and by the time they got the women back again they either died or they were mentally unhinged um just from the experience of how long they had been captive with these creatures oh yeah oh yeah getting back to that you know the first stories of of people shooting them and and people hunting them down we've heard those stories duke before coming uh, most notably out of Ape Canyon and and other places like that uh, in Oregon near Mount St. Helens. I'm curious to just get your thoughts on everything because we hear all of these alleged stories of uh, over the years of people hunting and killing Bigfoot and, and, you know, taking them down like they can be shot and, and, and take it down like a regular bear or, or elephant or, or if you have a more, uh, you know, a, a powerful enough gun. Yet, there's never any evidence that this has happened. Yep. And that's kind of the same way I look at a lot of these stories about, you know, Bigfoot killing people or, you know, so-and-so got mangled by a Bigfoot or this or that or the other thing. and. Usually when you talk to him, it's like, well, who'd this happen to? Oh, it happened to my cousin. Well, can I talk to your cousin? Oh, he's off planet right now. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. If you start doing the backstory on these things and trying to track down who actually it happened to, when did it actually happen? Okay, Bigfoot ripped your arm off. Show me a picture of the stump with no arm. <laughs> right? There's never anything there. But that's what I'm getting at. You know, so... Yeah. So who's making these stories up? And are they doing it for critical, you know, acclaim? Clickbait, brother. Clickbait. It's a weekly world news on the internet. They want to get views. And if you make a scary story, whether it's true or not, you're going to get views. And some of the big Bigfoot channels out there that just do narration have even admitted that, you know, like some of the stories are real. Some of them are made up. Some of them are half and half. So just because you hear somebody narrate some story about Bigfoot, doesn't mean that it's even remotely true. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. I get that. You know, it just, it doesn't seem to, to add up to what we have learned about this creature. Well, you know, yeah, and that's part of the reason why I go out of my way to kind of debunk some of this stuff, because there's too much sensationalist BS floating around about Bigfoot. He's too easy of a target. Big scary monster running around in the woods. You know, ask your frequent guest, R. Keith Andrews, about how big scary those monsters are. When he was four years old and he wandered off in the woods and got lost, and they picked him up and brought him back again. Ooh, mm-hmm. big scary monsters. If they ate children, they would have ate R. Keith right then. Oh, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. And, and you know, you, you hear so many stories about... Uh, about you know, even these creatures helping people from wild animals, whether it's mountain lion attacks or or grizzly bear attacks. And then all of a sudden you hear, you know, that these creatures got scared off because the Sasquatch came roaring in. Yep, we've actually had several reports like that where it sounded on the face of it like the Sasquatch is being highly aggressive 
And then when you get more details on it, it turns out like, hey, no, there was something like really bad right over there. And it was trying to keep you away from it so you didn't get killed. Uh, there was another example of one where they were just hunting turkeys and one of them stepped out on a trail and stopped the humans until they caught the turkeys down below below the hill on the trail. And then he just stepped back in the woods and let them go past. And they could hear it happening. When they got down to the bottom of the hill on the trail, they could see the turkey feathers. <laughs> That's all he wanted. Just uh, don't mess up our hunt. Stand here for a minute. I'm just going to stand on the trail and scare you. Okay. Right. All done. They got the turkeys. I can go now. <laughs> And there may be other times where there's something really dangerous around and, you know, whether they like you or not, they probably aren't in favor of humans just getting killed by, like, for no reason. Um, and it can, again, cast suspicion on them. If some other cryptid gets you, uh, well, you just disappeared. You became a missing person. What's going to happen next? Well, every human within a thousand miles is going to show up running around the woods looking for you with guns. Does the Sasquatch want that? Oh, hell no. <laughs> no. So it's it's entirely possible that they have they understand this stuff enough. You know, they've seen search and rescue before. They talk to each other. Uh, if humans disappear, then tons of other humans show up. That's bad. Oh, I hear you. Duke, I understand the clickbait, under, uh, you know, sense for a lot of these stories. But prior to the internet, we were still hearing these amazing stories of, of you know, shooting down Sasquatch, killing Sasquatch. If yeah. we're if we're killing these things for as long as we allegedly have been, where's the bodies? And this yeah, is exactly. why I have, and this is why I have a tough time believing a lot of these. Hmm. There's, you know, half a handful of reports that I've heard of Bigfoot being killed and there was a body or part of a body. But in every case, uh, military-looking government guys showed up and hauled said body away. So there is no evidence. Mm-hmm. So, but that's an easy... That's an easy answer. I know it's an easy answer to just say, well, here's what happened and blah, blah, blah. But when you can actually verify some of the details through, like, military sources that, yes, in fact, they were there at that time, it gets a little more believable. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. I, I get that. I can appreciate that. You know, but, I mean, look, I know from living in the wilderness and and much like your area where you're out in the wilderness too. Okay. Where if, if you shot something, there's not a government official right there keeping score. Right. Okay. That all automatically they're going to turn the body over to whoever it is. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And how are they going to know? Let's say, let's say it's right now where like in my area, hunting season has been going on since September 10th. Okay. So we're well over a month and a week into that now. And it's going to go until December 10th. And when I look at it and I just, I think if somebody shot a Sasquatch out in the forest and dropped it, whether it was attacking or not, who's going to know? 
Mm-hmm. There's nobody going to know. Well, how are they going to prove they did it? Exactly. Unless they're hauling it out. How are they going to haul it out? Average Sasquatch, 800 pounds. Well, you're going to have to gut they're it. You're going to cut it into pieces and take a piece out? Well, that makes it a lot easier for certain people to take that away from you. But, I mean, it's the same thing as somebody taking out a 1,200-pound moose. Yeah, well, they don't take it out in one piece. They cut it into pieces and haul it out. All depends how close it is to the road, my friend. <laughs> yeah, nobody's picking up a 1,200-pound moose, Dave. I understand what you're saying, but a winch can. Yeah, well, it's got to be really close to the road for a winch to do you any good. I and hear you. I'd be willing to bet that's about a point zero zero one percent chance that happens. My dad did some moose hunting. The last one they got, it took him the better part of half a day to pack out one load from where it was. Oh, I and hear you. Generally, ya. they're not right next to the road waiting for you to shoot them. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. I'm I'm just throwing out plausible explanations. So, yeah, what's the, what's the motivation? You accidentally shoot a Bigfoot. You don't know what it is. Now it's dead. Okay, am I going to tell anybody? What if this thing's a human or something? I'm in big trouble. It's also an endangered species, whether they realize that or not. There's a million-dollar fine and 10 years of penitentiary waiting for you. It's an undocumented species. That's an automatic. And, uh, you know, if they somehow get the brainy idea that they want to take a piece of it and get out with it, well, it was probably premeditated then. Because if they had thought that far ahead to presume that they were going to somehow shoot a Bigfoot and need to carry a piece out with them, they were planning on shooting a Bigfoot. Bigfoot are telepathic. We have just over two minutes to go here. What are we missing through all all of these stories? Uh, humans tendency to exaggerate, basically. Uh, we like a good scary story, and we like to make monsters where there aren't any. And don't get me wrong, there are some Bigfoot that are absolutely monsters, just like there's some humans that are monsters. Only take a bad-tempered, violent street thug and put him in a, you know, nine foot thousand pound body they're significantly more dangerous so yeah they do occasionally kill people they can do bad things they have been known to do bad things but so do we but by and large they're really peaceful and they they're shy and they think we're dangerous as hell and they want to stay away from us so you know coming into conflict them is like you practically have to ask for it in order to get that kind of behavior out of them duke down to the final minute here, where can people find World Bigfoot Radio? You can find me on Odyssey, BitChute, Rumble, and YouTube. And you can find my groups on World Bigfoot Central is on the MeWe platform. No censorship. And I also have two groups over on Facebook, Montana Bigfoot Project, which gives you all the boots on the ground research stuff, and World Bigfoot TV, which gives you updates on when the next show is coming out which is every Sunday at 8. And last Sunday, we had uh, Exorcist meets Bigfoot. So if you want some super woo power, there you go. Bigfoot versus the Exorcist. Love it. Love it. Super Duke for World Bigfoot Radio. Thank you for being awesome tonight on the Cryptid Report. Thank you to our great guest, Reverend Valerie Love, for teaching us the spirituality and a little bit of witchcraft. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking us in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. 
get your horns up. For the guitar god himself, special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on X at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Woo Train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, yep, we've got room for them, too. Good night. Hey, is that the new iPhone 15 Pro? Yeah, it's made with titanium and the Pro camera is epic. Just got it at T-Mobile. Nice. Yep, and I got their Go 5G Next plan, so now I have the freedom to upgrade my phone every year. Whoa, I gotta get to T-Mobile. Get our best deals on iPhone 15 Pro at T-Mobile.com. One-year upgrade requires Go 5G Next plan, financing new qualifying device, and upgrading in good condition after six months with half paid off. Is that the new iPhone 15 Pro? Oh, yeah. It's made with titanium, and the Pro camera is epic. Just got it at T-Mobile. Nice. Yeah, and I got their Go 5G Next plan, so now I have the freedom to upgrade my phone every year. I gotta get to T-Mobile. Take charge of your upgrades at T-Mobile.com. Phone now via 24-monthly bill credits plus tax for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on a required finance agreement due. One-year upgrade requires financing qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six months with half paid off.